Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to The Weekend Show. Hi, Gar. Hey, how are you doing? We're back. Yes. From yet another hiatus. <laughs> how many episodes of The Weekend Show do you think start with the phrase, we're back? <laughs> it's a good, what are we on, 70? We're not on 70. I don't know, or 50-something? 50, late 50s now. Probably 50 of them, Yeah, maybe? probably a good 50. Anyway. As you have heard from his voice when I spoke to him, you will be relieved to know that I am joined, as always, by my autumnal co-host Garrett. Or if you're in America, fallnal. Fallnal. Is that is that a word? No, I'd imagine it's not. <laughs> Garrett got a haircut this week, so much like the leaves, his hair is, has shed its uh, summer coat. I don't know. I had some... Actually, you did, you've done the opposite of what you should have done. You have... I had some witty repartee with the, the hairdresser regarding that, Ken, about how I, I get a, a winter haircut in the summer and a summer haircut in the winter. I got, actually got my haircut on the way here. Did you? I did. That's why you were late. It took five minutes. It's literally just gone. <laughs> How much did they charge for that? Tenner. Yeah, it's not bad. If they charge the 15, I'd be like, oh, the tenner is all right. It's five minutes work. It's the easiest tenner that the hairdresser ever made. I got a haircut yesterday, actually. That's a, It's unusual for you to do shorter on the sides than the top, Ken. Yeah, I didn't mean to do this short on top, but then, you know, as long as I can kind of sweep it to the side, I don't mind. But, like, I keep, like, I started getting a skin fade last year when I was in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I took a picture of it because I was quite pleased with it. Mm-hmm. But I can't, for the life of me, remember what it was called, so... I keep making a mistake. So last time before I went on holidays, I got a low skin fade, which, which I didn't like. Okay. And this is a high one, which doesn't look bad, but it's also not what I wanted. So I think it's a mid fade. That's some hard hitting journalism for you. You see, my big problem with my hair is I never know what to ask for. So I do this. I let my hair grow for eight months and then I shave it all off and I let it grow for another eight months, which is a very cost effective approach to hair, Ken. But I found a place like near my house that does that and the beard for thirteen fifty. That's good value with the beard. Yeah, but I liked it more the first time. So, you know, he did a good job and did exactly what I wanted the first time. And I was like, yeah. As a man, I don't let other people touch my beard, but to each his own. Yeah, I paid up to 40 for that. So, you know. <laughs> you have to tighten the purse strings these days, Ken. I know. You can't go for 40 buck beard trims. I know. Although it does feel nice because, you know, I feel like a, a lady. I brought razors down for you. That's how that, that's how poor you are. You're you're skipping razors and toothpaste off the parents. Well, in fairness, now since we moved out, me and my brother Ed, you're the only one left. Yes. The house has basically become two thirds storage. It is. It's just we're literally hoarding for the apocalypse. So like, there's more cereal than like we could possibly ever eat. Every time razor blades are on offer, Dad buys like a ton of them, mm-hmm. and they're crazy expensive otherwise. So, I went to buy some. Yesterday, I was like, oh, I got my beard done. I may as well maintain. Mm-hmm. And then it was like six euro for like blades. It just seems like a lot. For what, like eight? Yeah. That's expensive. It seems expensive to me. So, so you I think just... that's what, 80 cent per blade? That's not that expensive, I guess. It's not, but it seems expensive for something that I don't use that often. Mm. So anyway, I just moved off my parents like a good old millennial. True. I was surprised. I got my hair cut and usually my forehead, because obviously when you have longer hair when and you're having a shower, less water gets to your forehead. Yeah. So it's usually like spottier and takes a while to clear up, but it's all right at the moment. I was surprised. Yeah, quite good. The back of my neck, though, is agitated. So I think that it's not used to not having the hair on top of it or maybe the hair has agitated it without. I suppose the hair protected it from touching my collar. And now that it's touching my collar, it's like, oh, what is this? So yeah, this is, these are the strange things I go through when I get a haircut, Ken. Do you know what another factor is when you get a haircut that's quite tight? Especially mm. that... Showers. Not showers. Well, showers are easier because it's quicker. But 
you know, obviously it's September now. Mm-hmm. That summer has turned to autumn, and soon it'll have to be winter. So my head is cold. Mm. Now my head will be very cold, but legitimately, my showers will be like six minutes shorter. And like drying the hair is literally just one like one pass over to dry. It's it's so nice. <laughs> I don't know why I don't keep it like this all the time, except that I don't want to get haircuts that often. I've been to get this haircut for like three weeks. I just haven't gotten around. Like me having to come down here to record this podcast. Uh, is is the excuse I needed to go through to just go through Douglas during like reasonable daytime hours to get a haircut yeah I put it off for a long time as well I was looking quite grizzly and then my girlfriend started comparing comparing me to like Bigfoot or mm. whatever and complaining that my mustache was too tickly so oh look that's a it's a very <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah once uh, like you know mom once like my hair gets slightly long mom is like do the haircut you do the haircut and it'll, it'll get to the stage where it annoys me which it did and then i'll get a cut so suck it mom who doesn't listen to this podcast and still meddles in the affairs of my hair as a 26 year old borderline man well you do choose to live at home yeah it's, i pay rent well, sort rent. of i contribute toward the household rent feels like a weird word yeah it's not rent it's more like a hey it, sorry i'm still living at home a voluntary contribution toward the household running costs yes which I, she was also, she's, she's every time because uh, I submit my invoice to be paid in the 12th. Then usually I get paid like three days later and then it takes about five days to get into the bank account. So any, any time it comes up to the 12th, it's like, you paid yet? Do you have my money? Put in the, do you put in the invoice yet? And I'm like, geez, mommy, I'm very interested in my finances lately. It's like, oh, no reason, no reason, no reason. And like last time it's like, geez, you're after my money these days. Mom. She's like, I'm not, I'm not after your money at all. <laughs> Oh, mom. But yeah, if you owe her money, she's very insistent upon. Oh yeah, she'll time. she'll come for you. She'll come for you with a baseball bat. She'll take your kneecaps out. It's like, you owe that now. Remember that? It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and she's like, give it to me. Yeah. Do you have it? You no. should. Yeah, uh, you should go over and get it now. It's uh, it'll be raining later. You should go. <laughs> she comes up with all these reasons. It's great. She's basically like. The most passive debt collector in history. It used to be the other, the other way around with mom and dad, where dad was the money guy and mom was like the. Ugh. But now dad's like, oh, I don't care, and now mom's like, Where's my money? Well, he was kind of like he's always been very proud of his credit and all that, so he doesn't want to be messed up by late payments or anything. Mm-hmm. Not that it would be late anyway; he just paid for it if you didn't give him the money. Just kind of shitty, so I try not to do that. No, <laughs> you've never done that in the past, Ken. Have you never done it? I've never done it. Got to. I pay my debts, man. Fair play. Busy show this week. Well, it has to be busy because, you know, we've had three weeks of silence, so we have to kind of catch up. So coming up, we'll talk uh, a few of the news stories that turned our heads lately. Very Cock Irish. We're noting that looking at the script. It's a very Irish bunch of news stories. Yeah, normally I try to have an international flavor, but there's a lot happening at home that's kind of bothering me slash enraging me. So hmm. I'll have a rant Ooh, about ranty, that. Ranty. It's usually ranty gar. You're going to get a ranty can. We'll both have rants. We'll like have a rant off. I wonder, can people tell when it's either you or me who picks the news stories? I wonder, is there like I, I generally go weirder. Yeah, pure gar. And, like people, like well, there's not enough people that listen to it consistently to to think about that kind of question. I don't think. Yeah, Rob, go through each episode and and pick to uh, go through all the news stories and say whether you think it was me or Ken that picked the news stories, and then that will be our sample size. And Matthew, and sometimes Ed. Ed listens, yeah. He, apparently we made him laugh on the bus with our, our drink and coaster related antics last time when he was heading to Washington. He had a good time in Washington. Yeah. My parents were in Montreal. Yes. They don't like the French. They really don't. No. No one likes the French, though. <laughs> they like travelling if it wasn't for the foreigners. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
They're, well, I like to say they're a product of their times, but that's just basically excusing their casual racism. Yeah. Ah, well. Also, okay, this week, as we promised, although if you remember in our last episode, I didn't specifically give a date for when this episode will be released yeah. in anticipation of another hiatus. I'm yes. doing air quotes. We're going to do a fall autumn TV season preview or Faultum. Faultum at all. No, I've agreed on Faultum. Okay. With myself. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I was excluded from this discussion. That's okay. You're only the co-host, Care. That's true. You, you took your name off the podcast. I did in, as a mark of respect to you, mm. my co-host mm. and brother mm. and friend. Hmm. What? Why? Why did we miss? Um, why did we miss the last episode, Ken? No, we missed the last episode because I was tired, which I'm actually very tired now because uh, it, it happens on Thursday nights a lot. It might be like my prolonged exposure to screens that day because mm. uh, I, I do like a 12 hour work day every Thursday. But I tend to get headaches at the end of Thursday night and then I can't sleep. So I was just lying there with mm-hmm. a headache, very fidgety for three hours last night and get, didn't get sleep till six, which is why I was a small bit late. Can I took those extra couple hours in bed to inconvenience you slightly? But I'm going to answer your question in a second, but slight segue, because I have a similar issue that my sleeping pattern is all over the place, especially when I'm not working and it's up and down. I've kind of really been trying to focus on it recently, so I'm trying to get into a sleep routine. Mm-hmm. So I will, and this is very hard, try and avoid screens throughout the day. So like I have a new rule on my phone where if I have something to look at or something I am interested in looking up or I need to do something on the phone, I will do it. And I'll have a browse once or twice, maybe, like a few times a day. But like, if I find myself mindlessly scrolling stuff I've seen already, or I'm not doing anything of purpose, I'll just put the phone down. And I try to avoid it for a few hours before bed at night. So I've started reading more. Um, another thing you should do is like sit in dim lighting. So avoid blue light because apparently that just totally messes up your brain. Mm. But also avoid lights in general. And I've started taking some natural kind of stuff from Holland and Barrett. It's called Valerian Root. That Quite- sounds like some kind of Thor thing. It also sounds maybe like a region in Pokemon, Valerian. Well, isn't aren't all Pokemon regions named after actual regions in Japan? Yes. So I don't know, but yeah, it, like you'd be surprised because like I've taken sleeping tablets for a while, and while they did not make me sleep at all, they mm. made me feel quite weird because your limbs start to go after a while. Right. So it's a really weird feeling. So your body falls asleep, but your brain is still like fine. Yeah, because I'm one of those guys that just can't turn it off because I just have I do most of my heavy thinking at night. Yeah. but uh all this stuff has kind of helped me like i listened to po- I, I had a reader listen to a podcast so basically disengaging from screens which includes the television um having a bit of a nighttime routine try and do some reading which is better than podcasting is relaxing because it's one of the things that kind of helps me slip into kind of a kind of passive kind of state but i recommend reading uh, so i've been getting more books even though i have a bookcase full of books i didn't re- read yet but i will it's part of my new routine car um the reason i mentioned that is that might help you yeah, my, my big thing is stay away from the bed. And oh. you, you can tell the difference. I, it's probably less of a concern for you in this house, but the way, the way the way my bedroom is set up, that like the most convenient and comfortable place if I'm watching something on my computron is to lie in the bed. And uh, you can tell the difference. Like you, if you stay away from your bed for the day and the first time you get into your bed is at night, it's like so much more comfortable and like, oh. But yeah. It's actually a good point. And I listened to a podcast, Fresh Air, which I mentioned on mm-hmm. this podcast Terry before. Gross. Yes. And there's, I can't remember the name of the gentleman. I think his name was Matthew. He wrote a book about it, which I keep meaning to buy, but I haven't yet. Sure. But and then you wouldn't read. But yeah, exactly. He talks about sleep and how, you know, you know, people are neglecting sleep and it's leading to problems in later life, you know, because hmm. it's linked to like the likes of Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that. Oh, good. <laughs> but uh, 
one of the things he talks about is like your bed should only be for sleep because subconsciously you actually associate your bed with other things than sleep and that's mm. what keeps you part of what keeps you awake mm. on the book thing currently on my bed is a copy of a book about wcw monday nitro mm-hmm. a copy of a book about the history of the tokyo dome gravity falls blu-ray box set and digimon adventure try and i'm doing this weird thing for like the last month or like i move between my bed and my 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 there's a, my desk chair your office yes <laughs> most of the day and like instead of just putting those things away and i haven't used those things in this month but instead of just putting them away somewhere i move them from the chair to the bed when i use the chair and from the bed to the chair when i need to use the bed and i'm like why don't i just put these things away why don't i just put them so I, I have somewhere to put them it's not like you know uh, uh, my room is so cluttered it is a little cluttered uh, that i don't have space to put them anywhere i'm thinking about the irrationality of this thing i do and it's it's inconvenient like every time i move from one to the other i have to move the pile of books and dvds i'm like why am i doing this i don't know you're going to become one of those pop culture hoarders who I, has I, everything I, but hasn't consumed any of it do you ever watch hoarders though yeah how do people get like that <laughs> i feel like you're gonna be one of those people because like you're outgrowing your room you're gonna get you're gonna well, yeah, I, I, I live in one room if i had a house it would be fine i don't have a house worth of things just sitting around yeah but, uh, like and i i do like do a, a clean out every like year or so i'm just like all right time to get rid of shit <laughs> but how do people get like that how do you get to live in squalor and and just trash your entire i don't know anyway what are we talking about this weekend we're talking about the fall season of tv yeah we're talking about some news stories oh yeah i was saying why did we miss the episode before the episode last episode because on a whim we decided to go see jurassic park in concert we did accompanied by the rt orchestra Mm -hmm. the national symphony orchestra no just two they like rt the rt rt Concert orchestra? Sorry. I think it was the symphony, symphony orchestra. Or, symphony orchestra, yeah. Anyway. There's two of them. RTE have two of them. RTE is the national broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Radio Television or Radio Television Ireland. And among the things they get is a TV license as well as ad revenue, even though they shouldn't. That just, ads. yeah, that's just, uh, if you're from the UK, you'll know that you pay your TV license fee or whatever that equivalent is. I think it's just called a TV license fee in the UK, is it? Yeah. If you pay your TV license fee, you know, the BBC, they produce good programming without advertising. If it, well, they have some ads, but it's usually just their own programming that they're advertising. Anyway, if if you uh, watch RTE, which is also the state broadcaster funded by their TV license, you will notice they also air ads, and not like an inconsiderable amount of them. They're, they're, like it's not TV Three Bird or Virgin Media One. I'm sorry, Ken, but it's like two minutes of ads between every break, and it's like we give you the TV license fee, and they still lose money, Ken. That's I was about to say the tragedy of it. They're still hemorrhaging money and jobs. Don't the Beeb or the Beeb are profitable, aren't they? extremely profitable yeah. yeah whereas rte we they get advertising money they get state funding from us and they still lose money Ugh, screw you rte and they don't even make good programming rte sucks the thing, the thing except I their always... news division i like their news division yeah they have a good news channel as well it's yeah. quite good and has a lot of integrity and fairness like i think the six one news is a very good news broadcast it generally. is and that's one of the things they do well besides the rte symphony orchestra mm. but i i we'll go on to the uh the experience in a moment but what i keep saying about the success of the bbc and like the channel four which is independently owned well so it's the bbc but it's kind of kind of the state broadcaster as such the designated one is that they produce so much high quality content and programming not just colloquial stuff that you can 
air on TV for your, you know, your indigenous audience. But they they create stuff that you can sell. Mm. RT, and I know there's a smaller broadcaster in a smaller country, but like they've had a few things over the years that they've had a, a hit with that they've sold abroad. But didn't they lose money on Love Hate? Yeah, and they which sold was that. like their super hit. It was like the biggest RT drama hit in like the last twenty years, and they lost money on it. I'm like, what are you people doing? See, I think like twenty percent of your programming at least should be sellable. Yeah. Or these, yeah. oh, well, I don't. I wouldn't mind if it's not sellable. If it was, you know, what's the word? Good. <laughs> yeah, we buy a lot of programming from Australia and Canada, so they have it right. The BBC have it right. We just have it backwards. We just make a bunch of shite that nobody wants. Not even we want. Exactly. Whereas the BBC, I actually spend a lot of time. Like, obviously, um, we'll get onto TV, and while a lot of my time is spent on Netflix these days and online, but I still have the basic uh, Sky package here, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the cable so you're, package. You're not quite poverty package. No, it's like, but like, I would prefer to watch the BBC because even their indigenous programming is so well produced and charming and good. So that's a Jurassic problem. Park. That's what we're talking about. A company live orchestra, which is cool to have an orchestra playing the Jurassic Park theme. Like the bit first, like there's two scenes that really work in that film for the live orchestra. There's obviously the, the, the island reveal. Mm-hmm. Where they're looking at the helicopter and they play the like, nah, 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 nah. and then they, they welcome to Jurassic Park where they encountered the dinosaur up close, and then again they play the Jurassic Park theme. And there's an orchestra there doing it for you in person, Ken. The bit with the T Rex reveal was good as well, mm. but I think the biggest compliment I can play to the pay to the orchestra was that there was quite a lot of parts of the movie where I forgot they were there. Yeah, I just started watching the movie, yeah, <laughs> and like. That shows that obviously I I could tell the difference of the richness of sound. Of course, I'm not saying that they were. It was like, just uh, I might as well not have went. It's just <laughs> it's just watching the film, but it's just so kind of seamless that I could I could literally be absorbed in the movie and not actually think about mm. the people playing. Even though like they, you can you can see them playing, they don't kind of hide the orchestra. And I had the hot take afterward, Ken, that the Jurassic Park is the greatest blockbuster ever made. I stand by it. Well, you're you're right. If you look at it from uh, a number of points of view. It's probably it was probably the movie that really pushed Steven Spielberg on the map. I would have said that was Jaws, but go on. You know, in terms of the ninety, you know, the nineties way. I know Jaws kind of made his name as director, but in terms of the glut of success he had in the nineties, that kind of it was, was the start of that. The, the pivot toward like family friendly kids Spielberg. Yeah, I think comes from Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, ET, that kind of, and they're mm-hmm. around the same time. Well, kind of. Jurassic similar. Park is the bigger hit, but yeah. It was a landmark film for visual effects. Mm-hmm. Which still hold up, by the way. Exactly. I think it's like the... I'm not Probably not the first film to use CGI, but it's the first major film to use CGI. Exactly. The Lion King actually used CGI the following year, so this, like, they were one of the first animated films to use CGI. Oh, yeah, there's the... The... Trampling scene. Stampede. There you go. Well done. Trampling. It's trampling, Ken. They trample all over Mufasa and he dies. But also, since then, I think it served as a blueprint for blockbusters afterwards. So mm. it is kind of the the Bible or the mother text for what a blockbuster should be. And when you watch the most recent Steam Spielberg blockbuster, Ready Player One, it's 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 really the, the, the far extension of that, isn't it? Exactly. Which is also a very good film, by the way. Yeah, I didn't get to see it. I meant to see it in the cinema. It's just one of those ones that escaped me. That's out in Blu-ray now, so steal it. Um... But it felt like a cinematic experience, so that's yeah. kind of annoyed me about missing it. I'll, I'll sp- I still watch the BFG. I have to watch the BFG. BFG is really adorable. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. 
was very excited for that, but then it got kind of mixed reviews and then it kind of fell off. Because like Spielberg, I love Spielberg. The man is a genius. Just just from the range of his work rather than like the well, all the films are amazing, but he makes amazing films for everybody. So everybody should do that. But what I liked about the the performance was that it kind of bridges that gap. It makes live orchestras accessible to the kind of the masses. And mm. it was a packed theater, and that theater holds about three or four thousand, two, two, three, fifteen hundred, two thousand, I think it is. Something it like that. It was yeah. pretty much sold out, and. The audience was like, you could hear a pin drop during it. Mm. So, and I think... I'm surprised at how many Jurassic Park nerds there are. Yeah. Like, there's people there with Jurassic Park t-shirts with, with like, full Jurassic Park paraphernalia. And I'm like, I'm, I said this to you, I understand that for Star Wars or Star Trek, which has, like, very deep roots. There's tons of Star Trek content you can consume. There's five Jurassic Park films. Two of them are bad. Some would argue more. And somehow that spawned, like, like deep fan love. As you said, it is kind of a, a benchmark or a linchpin of a film, you know. Mm. So perhaps it's just the strength of that one experience alone and the fact that people were willing to pay 60 bucks and upwards to experience it again in a cinematic setting accompanied <laughs> by an orchestra means that it, it holds currency and value for them, you know, 20 years later or more. It really is just hoodwinking people into paying 60 bucks to go see Jurassic Park again. <laughs> But, you know, I'm into re-releases. Like, I went to see The Lion King when it was released in, you know... They didn't charge you 60 bucks for it, though. They didn't, but uh, um, I hadn't really thought about it, the 60 bucks until now, so... In fairness, there is, uh, uh, like, 50 people in front of you <laughs> that need to get paid. But they seem to be doing a lot of these now, and they're doing more in the future, and it just kind of... Obviously, they still do their classical shows and stuff like that, and people go to those, but I think it's just kind of broadening it to the masses and kind of making it that bit more inviting people don't compose music for the sake well that kind of music for the sake of composing music anymore at least not in mass there's not like bach around still doing that you know true there's film composers and video game composers and television composers who are composing is uh uh, what's the word for music without words scores not scores there's a particular word it's not it's not acoustic it's whatever instrumental instrumental music uh, for particular things that's the new classical music that's where that genre has moved to because no, very few people are still sitting around making inst- or instrumental music without like a specific purpose for it you know just for the sake of making the music that's not happening like the way it did in like the, the 1600s or whatever so if they if these concert orchestra people don't don't follow that trend they'll die and then be out of work yeah and it's a shame because it's one of the as we said it's one of the few things that RTE do right yeah because I saw the the same orchestra played the Zelda Symphony, which I thought they didn't do as good a job of when they, than the the first time I went when they had the actual like dedicated orchestra people that did it. Do you think the property is just too unfamiliar to them? I I, I just don't think they did the music justice. I don't think they had the gusto of the, of the music the same way like the the regular orchestra who were more familiar with it did. Fair enough. Oh, there's birds in your chimney again. Yeah, we're near a farm, so like crows do gather. If you heard some cawing, that's not just Kansas making noises. anything else on your agenda the last week i watched american vandal season two ken yes which is a really good show and like if you watched like 13 reasons why was one of those shows which had a very specific premise it delivered that premise in inconsistent ways but generally compelling ways and then it's like well we have a season two now (laughs) so let's just keep this boat going for no reason even though we've reached the harbor uh, American Vandal is kind of similar, you know. There's 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 the the crime. There's dicks on the cars. Ken, we find out. Well, actually, we don't quite find out who put the dicks on the cars in season one, do we? 
they kind of nerdy they, they kind of they kind of said this person did it without saying this person did it yeah which i actually preferred or would have preferred if it was an utter cop-out just because it was a spoof of the genre which generally ends with we actually don't know who did it <laughs> or we don't know if they're innocent or not but we think they are or, or whatever yeah but like season two of american vandal starts with them saying geez our netflix documentary really hit really big and a bunch of people wanted us to investigate this, this something so we picked one and we investigated it and i'm like I'm in. You've explained why the show is continuing in a reasonable fashion. Exactly. They painted themselves out of a corner. Or, yeah. No, they didn't paint themselves out of a corner. They painted themselves into a corner and then they just broke through the wall to escape. Yeah. It's just like, and like they acknowledge, like, in the, the, the premise of the show is that the Netflix documentary American Vandal actually exists in the universe of American Vandal. And they're like, oh, the, it wasn't as good as the Vimeo documentary. People said it lost a lot of, uh, you know, heart. and like, they're, it's, it's in the first 10 minutes of, it's kind of a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. It's in the first 10 minutes of the first episode of season two. But like, we even got to upgrade the special effects and they showed some of the, the you know, the 3D modeling from the, yeah. the first season. It's like versus a more crude, like drawn version of it that they had before they got picked up by Netflix. It was really cute. And then it's like, I you've explained why the show is continuing. And season two, it's, I don't think it's as funny. But it is as strangely compelling that uh, the the entire show is based on the premise of someone spiked the lemonade in the cafeteria of a high school and everyone shot themselves. All right, <laughs> it's, well, it's funny that's been circulating in uh, around the internet as a real prank. No, no. Yeah. Damn it! Damn it! And then Perkin Vandal is bad now. Exactly. So like people have been passing it off as a real prank, and that's kind of funny because actually. I only realised that... Now it's only like, inevitable before somebody does it. <laughs> exactly. That, I only realised that that's the case now when you uh, just liked it. Yeah, but it's it's, it's fantastic. Because obviously, because uh, like, the, the opening scene is like, here's the, the laying out the, the crime for the premise of the, the series. And it's just dramatic music playing over people shitting themselves in the hallways and schools and finding bins and toilets. It's phenomenal. It's a great show. Yeah, I had meant to watch it so we could talk about it briefly on this episode or even a bit at length in the main segment but i didn't get around to it but what's from what you're describing it sounds like it's almost like a parody of a parody now which can be dangerous territory so you're saying it's successfully negotiated that kind of yeah it's just it's it's just more like it's less a parody in this season it's more just a straight here's a mystery we're gonna kind of be silly every so often and like we're gonna treat something that's objectively ridiculous with huge dramatic stakes but it's it's just kind of a mystery, and they solve the mystery. So, well, yeah. it's a good show, and so. I enjoy it. That's American Vandal on Netflix, season two. Also, eight minutes. I think average episode running time, or eight episodes, average episode running time is about thirty minutes. You yeah. blow through it in four hours, and that's the best kind of show. <laughs> exactly. I've binged the first series and stayed up until like six a.m. to watch it because <laughs> I started watching it like late, and then it just mm. kept going because it is one of those very bingeable series. And we should probably have talked about it in the main segment, but good one, Car. What have I been doing on Netflix? Uh, I've been rewatching The Fresh Prince. Is that on Netflix? Yeah. Uh, right. This is a story all about how much. Is, is you just? Is it one of those you just watch for mostly the theme song? Not mostly the theme song. It just kind of puts me into a comfort zone and reminds me of a simpler time when I was younger and less encumbered, and just kind of the nostalgia part is what I was looking for, and the theme song because it was amazing. Mm. And I've started skipping it now because it. it um, if you watch like 10 episodes in a row it gets to the point where it's like it gets a bit much what I liked about the Fresh Prince was that they kind of approached issues especially around race and things like that in kind of a subtle and kind of comedic way 
but they just kind of presented you with the ideas or the problem, but they didn't get too bogged down in the solution or waxing lyrical about it. Where TV shows, especially sitcoms these days, and I, that, I'm not saying that sitcoms shouldn't deal with issues because that's one of their... They should functions. just make me laugh. <laughs> that's one of their functions and they can reach the masses with important messages, but when they get bogged down at the expense of the laughs, that's why I think... That's why I don't like Atlanta. It's not funny enough. Yeah. I haven't watched series two yet, but I, I did I enjoy it more because it's interesting, not because it's funny. But it's a comedy. Don't call it a comedy if you're not going to make me laugh, Donald Glover. I'm sorry. And he's very good at p- making people laugh. He is. He's tremendous at making people laugh. Both in his writing and have you ever seen his stand-up? It's also very good. Like if they just pitched Atlanta as a drama, I'd be fine. But you pitch it as a comedy, my friend. And I'm going to watch it as a comedy. But you know what struck me as well? There's a couple of things. Obviously, you do a bit of reading around it when you start rewatching it, kind of doing the looking at the stuff that you couldn't look before because, you know, obviously the internet didn't exist. But... Apparently, it wasn't very well received in its time. Which? Fresh Prince, so season oh, three, four, and I thought five. You were, I thought we were still talking about Atlanta for a second there. In its time? Yes. So like last year. It wasn't uh, even though everyone loved it. So but. in the first three seasons, it was kind of finding its feet, but people heavily criticized Will Smith because he was new to acting. Literally a complete novice. They mm. made a show And it's, it's the inherent rejection of somebody coming from one thing to do another. And Will Smith objectively is good at acting. But he was just like, you should just be a rapper. Stop it. Apparently he learned the whole script and he could be seen in early episodes. Although I read this after, so I haven't looked at it. He could be seen mouthing other people's lines before his lines. Because <laughs> he was so intent on getting it right. And you, can, you kind of feel there's a, like a woodenness in his early delivery in that show, isn't there? There is a bit of a woodenness or kind of a systematic kind of approach. I'm saying the words you told me to. In later series, his kind of natural charisma came out and he became more involved in the kind of direction of the show. A lot of the, the issues based episodes were kind of encouraged by him very special episode but three season three four and five were written as finales just in case uh they didn't come back season four it actually got cancelled after that and then and saved it got brought back to the fan demand but then they abandoned it again i never got that the fans demand it comes back and then they don't support it when it does come back well the problem is it's like brooklyn 99 you know people love that show but the people that love that show don't watch that show on tv so that's the problem that Fox were in. And like NBC, you're going to have to cancel that show either this year or next year. And then it's just going to be raging at NBC. But yeah. yeah. And though in fairness, back in when freaking Fresh Prince was on TV, you could only watch it on TV, so you have no excuse. True. I also uh, discovered a show on TV, and I didn't, I didn't know this existed, but it's called American Housewife. Mm-hmm. It, um, it's being shown on W in the UK, which is one of the Sky channels part of the basic package so you can get it for short for free, I think. what used to be watch yeah i think so which yeah. was one of the old itv gold channels back in the day i think sky own it now do they it? no maybe itv still do i'm not sure but it stars katie mixon of mike and molly and eastbound and down fame mm. and Diedrich bader who would have been like in a lot of films in the 90s he's actually in an episode of the fresh prince Back in a, a couple of episodes back in the 90s as well. There's a through line between your recommendations here, is there, Ken? Yeah, it's like all connected. But basically, she's kind of leading a sitcom for the first time. I always kind of liked her as a personality in those other two sitcoms. And it basically portrays a housewife in uh, a rich area of Connecticut who's kind of more down to earth and a bit, doesn't have her kind of life together and doesn't look as perfect as the rest of them. And basically trying to muddle her way through parenting and trying to reconcile her her own kind of self-image and stuff like that hmm. but it's kind of just kind of funny light breezy kind of self-aware uh, i just like it it's on abc in america as well and it's got renewed for a third season because the worst thing I, I i hate about these channels is is 
worst thing I hate about these channels. That's a terrible sentence. Yeah. Anyway, the thing I hate about these channels is they pick up a lot of stuff that's been cancelled. Yeah. So you like you get your hopes up. You get invested in it and you like it and you look to like, oh, this show ended in 2014. It's like anything on RT at like 1 a.m. It's like, yeah, we got it cheap because somebody cancelled it and we're just going to air the episodes to fill our schedule. <laughs> yeah. So it's been picked up for a third season. So basically what I've done there is done one of my TV picks as well. So we're both kind of veering in and out of segments this week. So mm. it's fine. Um, one more quick one and we'll do a little bit about another thing we saw together and then we'll get on to our new stories care uh, a book called Art Matters Because Your Imagination Can Change the World by Neil Gaiman and Chris Riddle Neil Gaiman and Chris Riddle have worked together for a long time basically the famous person you know out of these two and then the other unknown who's Chris Riddle I don't know <laughs> well he's quite a famous illustrator he's done a lot of work over the last few years but he illustrates a lot of Neil Gaiman's books and they work together a lot but basically you know Neil Gaiman is fairly prolific on Twitter. He likes to kind of spread his kind of wisdom through his his website, his blog. Mm. I think it's actually. I do that too, Ken. I spread my wisdom every day. Yeah, like one out of ten tweets. I think. Leave me alone. That's actually a good ratio. I'll take it. I think yeah, that's kind of quite quite kind to your <laughs> tweeting. But uh, basically, I think it's his blog or his website's actually called Art Matters as it happens. But that's. I'd imagine it's not as it happens, Ken. I'd imagine that it's rather deliberate. Yeah. Oh, it's a very, it's a very convenient that his blog is named the same as the book he wrote. <laughs> I'm totally butchering this, but anyway, okay. they released a kind of collection of some of his best kind of uh, advice on being an artist, especially kind of a, a freelance artist and kind of make it in a world where there's pressures to... I suppose I kind of really resonated with it because for the fact that I am a creative person in a non-creative industry, but I have to pay the bills. You also and, fancy yourself a struggling artist, Ken. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a little hardbound book. It's not exactly a read. It's kind of basically, you can read it in 20, 30 minutes, but it's one of those things that you can, like little kind of pick-me-ups you can go back to when you need that kind of found yourself winding away from the, the path to kind of get back on track and motivate yourself again. And the illustrations are lovely. It's like a little work of art in itself. So I recommend it. There's a Vincent Van Gogh film coming out. I think it's called At Eternity's Gate. And I watched a trailer for it the other day. And it's like, why are all artists torture geniuses? Why can't Vincent Van Gogh just be like, yeah, paint some cool stuff. Do you like it? Yeah. Well, he was kind of derided in his time, wasn't he? People thought his painting was shit. They were right. You don't like it? (laughs) I don't know enough about Van Gogh. I think the cult around his story and his legend is what made his art so valuable in the end. Not mm. so much the quality of it. I'm sure it's the Doctor Who episode about him that really, really pushed it over the edge. Yes. I'm sure that, like, the stock went up by millions. Yes. That, uh, as people had Van Gogh's in the basement, it's like, it was this Doctor Who episode. He's going to be a thing. So just took the washing hamper off of it. and. Do you miss those Doctor Who episodes? The historical figure episodes? Um, well, I don't, I don't actually, think done one in a while, Doctor Who, in its origins, was envisioned as a historical education show. So that's actually mm. that's why exactly. a lot of the early episodes had those, and that's why they kind of maintain them. As we talked, we talked about this yesterday on Twitter. There's traditions in Doctor Who. One of them is like historical episodes because it goes back to the origins of the series and the old trapped on a space base for some reason. Yep, there's always this trapped on a space base episode. Space base is fun to say. Those were usually cost saving measures yeah with those just generic tunnels that it's just peter capaldi keeps running down if you look close you know i was like that was in a previous episode yeah. <laughs> anyway. probably in like four other tv shows as well exactly so yeah one last thing garen the old recommended section mm. uh that we consumed together so we may as well talk about it crazy rich asians we want to see it a lot of hype around it good not great yeah good solid rom-com enjoyable not funny enough i think the rom-com elements work mostly it's a little ham-fisted at times a little like yeah 
and now the mother hates her. <laughs> but it was so well received for being a, a great comedy. I thought there'd be more laughs. Yeah, there's not enough jokes. I did appreciate for the fact that it was a, a fresh perspective on a rom-com with new voices and new faces. Mm. And the fact that it kind of delved into a world that I knew something about, but I didn't know anything about. In the fact that it talks about kind of Asian dynasties and how, you know, what's expected of heirs and, and stuff like that. And how they still have kind of strict social rules, even in kind of a modern age, you know, mm-hmm. where the son, they'll always send them abroad to, or the, the daughter, in fact, mostly the son. Uh, still a little bit sexist, but they'll encourage them to go abroad to study, but they'll always have to come back and run the family by lead the dynasty into another era exactly so they're very much about kind of maintaining what they have and keeping things in the family and all that Mm. and distrustful of outsiders which creates the whole kind of crux of conflict for this film which is interesting and there's supposed to be a sequel i can't really see where the sequel will come from although i don't have a good idea for a sequel after that when i was trying to rack my brains like this kind of film it was successful it's kind of suffered from its own success in the sense that they will make a sequel which may or may not be necessary Mm. But uh, I don't know if there's another book because I know it's based on a book by Kevin Kwan. I know, uh, you know, you want my sequel pitch? What? Crazy Rich Asians is about the American coming to Asia. The sequel would be about the, the Asians coming to America. The family comes west instead of her going east. Interesting. Do you want to hear my pitch? Go on. Here we go. Right at the end, they get engaged. It's not a spoiler. It's a rom-com. It's going to happen. <laughs> so as a few years later, they're married. They have a child. Mm. Right? The child is technically an heir. Yeah. So the mother kidnaps the child and tries to make the child heir to the family fortune. No, but there's a kind of tug of war over the child's future or where they should be brought up and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't. I don't want a sequel anyway. I would recommend it though. I, I, it's it's a it's a, of, good, it's a good afternoon TV watch. Yeah. So you wouldn't recommend shelling out your books to see in the cinema. I think it's still out because it's kind of it's ran and ran because it's been successful. I think it's a matter of principle. Cinema film, isn't it? Yeah. Support Asian filmmaking. Let them make their films. What's this? The first like film in twenty five years coming out of Hollywood with an Asian lead? Something like that? With an entire Asian cast, yeah. Yeah, it's like come on. Come on. And they're like, Oh, these were the Asian people don't go to see themselves in the cinema. It's like, yes they do. Everyone goes to see themselves in the cinema. Everyone wants representation. In fact, Gary, you were quite surprised that you're like, Oh, I don't think there's gonna be many Asian people in Cork where we live in Ireland and there was quite a lot of Asian people that went to see it. Was there? Yeah, loads. there was a decent amount of people there. I didn't think many of them were Asian. I know it's a big Asian audience. Think, well you're you're a quarter Chinese, so Carrick, don't mention that. Uh, well uh, when Ken was a child he insisted that he had a Chinese grandfather for the longest time and no one knew why. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we're we're forty minutes into the podcast, Gary. Alright, let's talk about news Weird stories. Time. News stories. The first one that kind of caught my attention and we meant to talk about it when we it's about back. two weeks old now but, yeah, but the entire drama has blown over let's yeah. give our take the case of Serena Williams versus Carlos Garcia and the US Open it came around the US Open tennis final where mm-hmm. Serena Williams was looking to equal the Grand Slam record something like that and she lost mm-hmm. and uh, she lost convincingly she lost convincingly this to, was not a tight game to first time Grand Slam winner Naomi Osaka what mm. a cool name is that She's, I think she's Japanese, but she lives either in the US or Australia for a long time. Yeah. So anyway, this was kind of a big landmark moment for her, which, of course, Serena ruined. Mm-hmm. And no, not, not enough people are telling the story, especially in America. So I'm going to kind of... <laughs> there's, a, there's, I think, a direct split between how Serena Williams is viewed in this incident, depending on whether the media covering it is American or non-American. Because she, she lost. She threw a hissy fit. She accused somebody of sexism, despite the fact that the person he ruled in favor of is well you know 
also a woman, and then uh, said, oh, it's not about me, it's about her, even though she made it all about her. It's like, come on. Kind of ruined her first Grand Slam win. And like she could, she said herself. Yeah, like, I don't know. I didn't know her name. Osaka, <laughs> yeah, Osaka said she couldn't enjoy it because of all of it. It, tell, it tells you right. everything about it that I didn't know the name of the person that beat her because she made it all about her. See? And then accused everybody of everything under the sun to get around the fact that she did something that her coach openly admitted to it's it's not like it's still a question when and like uh, when her coach was asked you know do you coach he's like yeah i do <laughs> yeah. and uh, like the, the serena's problem is like oh the men do this too and that same coach pulled up Djokovic on it like a year ago so it's not like he did uh, that same referee even pulled up Djokovic on it a year ago so it's not like this referee this is unprecedented from this referee and ken even if it was Two wrongs do not make a right. That does not give you a right to ruin this girl's moment when she's winning the freaking uh, Grand Slam championship, beating one of the best tennis players of all time. Comprehensively, by the way, as I mentioned again. And she was given three penalties, Ken, the first of which was for the coaching. But the second two, even if you want to discount the first one, even if you want to dispute She did dispute the coaching, so she wasn't coached. So even if you want to dispute that. Yeah, the second one, she smashed her racket off the floor and was then penalised fairly for it. For conduct rules. And the the third one, she called the referee a fraud and was understandably pulled up on that. In fairness, she also called him a cheat and a liar. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, come on! And the American media, and like the US Open are like, oh, we gotta back Serena because, well, she's the golden goose and cash cow, and you cannot criticize her. In fairness, I've seen a lot of people or women here in, you know, who are friends in, in Ireland or on Facebook backing her as well, saying that she's a champion for. Her, and she know, is she says know. she is a champion for women's rights she's a a, a a tremendous woman who's achieved a great deal but she's wrong here and that's okay and I, was, I have to say I, I am tempering my comments on this because we're men we're men we have to kind of call them we're out stupid <laughs> but what bothered me was that again this is a legitimate movement that she basically co-opted for her own because she got a decision made against her in a tennis game now I will say as well in which she was beaten comprehensively exactly she was beaten comprehensively but I will say that I have done a bit of research and there does seem to be a legitimate kind of concern that the rules are not applied equally two wrongs do not make a right men and women right but that doesn't mean that she should not have been sanctioned for what she did. That doesn't mean the rule is not there. And that doesn't mean you can... You can uh, 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 no coaching is a rule. She was coached. Her coach admitted to coaching. And she was brought up over it. Exactly. She's like, And the, and the governing bodies afterwards supported the referee's decisions. I like, guess yeah. you're fine. So. Like the referee, made, he made the right call. He might, like, and again, if, if you want to crusade on the issue that that rule is not applied uh, fairly, all right. But it was applied fairly in that instance, so... she Her argument was, I should be able to get away with it because men get away with it. Mm. So, like, as he said, two wrongs don't make right. There is a there is a feminist argument to be had about the, the rules being applied equally and fairly. That's But it's separate from this. And what, what kind of makes it worse for me is that she is historically a bad loser. Mm. She We've had many of these incidents. And basically, in the American media and certain sections here, people who would back her have retconned all those meltdowns or again I might be calling for calling it a meltdown because they're meltdown she had a meltdown the other two things don't like uh, I don't if she was winning this game that and that that decision was made against her she doesn't have a meltdown you know yeah if she was up and that decision went against her the, the other two faults aren't uh, penalties aren't given against her she probably wins the game 
But she just she was just losing and she had a meltdown. I'm sorry, she did. But now, a very public one. But now her entire history of meltdowns and even like they're criticizing the fact that they're called meltdowns in the media when they wouldn't be called that for a man. I'd called... call a man that did that a meltdown too, Ken. Yeah, me too. So <laughs> It was a full on meltdown, like But like now her entire history is like all her, they're not meltdowns they're her standing up for herself and oh, sometimes yeah, sure. I, I haven't seen every match of course that she's been in where she's had taken issue with a referee or she's kind of gotten heated over the, the calls that the referee has made so I haven't seen every instance but any instance that I have seen I don't think she was she had the feminist movement or you know the, the good of all women in sport in mind I think she had her own self interest in mind yeah. that's just my opinion I could, I'm completely open to other people thinking that she's right she's I'm, not she's wrong I'm not open to that. She's wrong! And she co-opted a very important, very legitimate movement to try and get around the fact that she was penalised for something she did. It's sexism. It can't possibly be that, you know, she broke the rules. She couldn't possibly handle that. That's not, Of course it's not because she was outplayed that she lost, Ken. It was the referee's decision that because she lost. And she had to make a big show of it to overshow the person whose name I've forgotten that won the tournament. And you know why I've forgotten her name, Ken? Because she was overshadowed. Because Serena made it all about her. And then tried not to make it all about her. And it's like, listen, too late. Anyway. Moving on to our next story. The EU is proposing to end daylight savings in Europe. What do we do? It's for farmers, isn't it? It's for farmers pretty much to make the most of daytime hours. Mm. But who cares? I don't see what the modern application is. I know like people kind of get like wound up about it. It's like, why does it exist? But like, who cares? <laughs> If it's there or not there, it really makes no difference to my life other than that two days of the year where I have to remember to change the clocks and get an hour less or more sleep. I'll actually stay up an hour later or earlier than I had planned to. But because realistically, I'm not asleep when this, these things happen. But like, who who really cares? To me, this is split into two categories, the good one and the bad one. That's the only thing I think about this is like, am I getting more sleep or less sleep? Mm-hmm. And if I'm getting more sleep, I'm like, OK, OK, of that or getting an extra hour. But when it goes forward and you get less, you're just like, God damn it, this is stupid. It's like the da- dad used to work nights and he, he, they wouldn't be paid for the extra hour. Yeah. But also equally on the flip side. He'd have to work the extra hour. Th- they would be paid the the full whatever eight hours for the seven on the, if you're working the night where it goes forward. Yeah. So. But he used to complain on less. Yes. <laughs> Even though it balanced out on a yearly basis. Well, I'm uh, if you're not on the shift of the one where it goes uh, back or forward, but then on the shift of the one where it goes back, you're getting screwed. Yeah. But, like, the only thing it kind of affects me is if I'm, like, working on an early shift the next day. Because mm-hmm. uh, I work weekends. That's mm. kind of annoying. Because, like, so if you're working at 7 o'clock, all of a sudden it becomes, like, you have to get up at 6 o'clock, essentially, don't you? Have we had daylight savings yet this fall? No, it's Autumn. October. Okay. The last weekend of October. There you go. So they're aimed to do this by March 2019 when the clocks go forward again. And you could also mean that our fair Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland are in different time zones. Both That's Brexit. weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you see Theresa May's, Theresa May's Brexit speech today? No. She's like, I will not be dictated terms by the European Union. They're not treating us fairly. It's like, you let chose to leave. That was your decision. Not only did you choose to leave, you're like, to hell with you, EU. Yeah. You cannot have the benefits of the European Union without the responsibilities of the European Union, Ken. That's not how it works. You can't have all the good stuff without having to take some of your medicine. So get out of here 
We're looking after our own interests and the interests of the other 26 countries in the European Union. You're looking after yours. You made that call, not us. We didn't kick you out. We're fine with you staying. They're also being completely insensitive and disrespectful when it comes to the Irish border, discounting it as meaningless and working in a tizzy over nothing. It is like that. It's strange how that's like the the one of the bigger issues. Maybe it's not. But like from the Irish perspective, we always hear about the Irish border because obviously we live in Ireland. So maybe it's not on the radar of everyone else. But I think it is. But they they have been told that unless we are happy with the agreement, that there will be no agreement. So yeah. it is kind of one of the major factors. We've you know? been given veto power in this instance. It's, as you said, Gareth, it's kind of Irish leaning this week. So mm. if you're not Irish, maybe this is not interesting to you. But I think there are human issues in general. So you know, yeah, da- Well, daily savings exists outside of Europe. <laughs> yeah. So I think America still do it, but there is even talks of America abandoning it as well. The weird thing about America is they do it, it's either two weeks before or two weeks after we do. So there's, yeah. there's a gap where it's four hours between us instead of five. But if sometimes. you're a wrestling fan, that works out great. It does. And it, it means, it actually tr- the, 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 it would threw me off the week it happened in the spring. Yeah. Because I, like, I, I work basically based off your uh, US Eastern time. So when that changed, it's like oh, my entire internal clock is wrong for a couple of weeks. Oh, well. So, Gar, there was an incident in Dublin, it's uh, two weeks ago now, I guess, mm-hmm. where the police violently ended the occupation of a Dublin building to protest a housing crisis in Ireland. By the way, aside, Dublin's a hole. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a movement called Take Back the City. So, they were peacefully, you know, occupying this building. To... Which they had no right to occupy. They did not. There's there's two sides to it that. It had been vacant for three years. Mm-hmm. But... The, the troubling part of it was the police showed up in balaclavas, which they do not do here, and they had really no right to do. Mm. And they escorted... The more troubling part is it wasn't just the police. Yeah, I'm getting to that bit, Gareth. You just wait. All that, right, keep sorry. going. So they escorted a private security force, which was unidentified, mm-hmm. also wearing balaclavas. Which had no business there. Literally in, no business. No business. In an unmarked vehicle, and they forcibly removed protesters, injuring five of them. Yeah. Which, you know, if the police had to go and remove them, the police had to go and remove them. That's their, that's their job. To yeah. do so with Ballyclavas and with a private security force in tow is... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not the most auspicious of starts for the new Garda commissioner. Garda is the Irish police. Yes, it's, it's Irish for guard. <laughs> yeah, Drew Harris. Uh, he comes from the north. He's uh, a northern policeman. Did you just put an accent on North as you said it? The North? It's, it sounded a bit like you put an accent on North as you said it. What kind of accent did I put on it? A Northern Irish accent. They come from the North. <laughs> I didn't consciously do that. Maybe I did that subconsciously. Yeah. But uh, that's not how we do things down here, Drew. We don't use balaclavas. We don't. He... <laughs> what are you suggesting? <laughs> that is how they do things in the North? <laughs> I don't know. That's how they used to do things in the North. All right. But... He came out in the media saying that was, wasn't correct and it was regrettable, basically. And why'd you do it? It's kind of been brushed under the carpet and the the police and some of the media outlets in Ireland are trying to paint the protesters as hippies and hipsters and kind of kind of lay about starts causing trouble. And Actually, why, why are they protesting? What's, what's the problem? Housing crisis. So they, what do they want? Well, that building that they took over was... Unoccupied, unoccupied for three years while the person who owns it sits on it to sell it for a higher value. But they have every right to it's theirs. Yes. Oh, we're going to have a different opinion on this guy. Yes. I'm all for like, like public property that can be used for it, but, you know, 
It's theirs. They can sit in it and leave it empty if they want. But when we have a housing crisis, is it... They can sit in it and leave it empty if they want. It's theirs. When we have a housing crisis, is it moral to do that? Who cares? It's theirs. They don't have a moral responsibility to solve the problems of the world. There is an argument that, you know, the government rely too much on the free market to sort out housing and it's their problem. That's what's confusing me at the moment. We have, like, objectively a large market for houses at the moment. People need houses. Why isn't there building going on? I don't know. This has been a problem for three years now in which I'm sure any construction company would have looked at this market right now and say, people are desperate for houses. Why aren't they building them? I don't know. Maybe we don't have the land. I don't know. That's it. I'm going to go interview some construction companies and find out where they aren't taking what is an obvious maybe it's just a, a knee-jerk overcorrection to the collapse of our economy being based on property that we're still like oh we don't want to build anything or maybe it's that we don't have like the we do have the workers we definitely have the construction workers so there's definitely like the, the labor there for it i don't know why are we building well there's a downturn in trades and a lot of the tradesmen do go abroad so that might be part of the issue mm. but there's kind of a dichotomy there between as you said people have in the law have a right to private property and to defend that private property and have mm-hmm. have that you know, like I, I do believe over like a, a period of time there should be like compulsory compulsory purchases from the government if a property is that vacant. But that would, that'd be like ten years from now. Or at least tax at a high rate, so they encourage yeah. them to do something with it to incentivize use of property. Yeah, that's a good idea. But that would uh, a compulsory purchase would lean toward ten years, not three for me. So you don't believe people should be able to protest a law that they see as unjust? they can protest all they want, but they can't do so in a property they don't have a right to be in. Interesting. Or... They can do so outside of property. They don't have a right to. I suppose the. But equally, they the shouldn't more... be sending security forces dressed in balaclavas who have no business being there to take them away. And they injure yeah. people, which is police brutality. And there's some people backing proposed legislation now that police are not allowed to be filmed in the course of their work. No, they should actually do the other thing. Yeah. They should be filmed. But that's what I'm saying. Like, everyone to an extent is filmed when they work. Yeah. Because. You know, there's CCTV. Especially if you work in a public place, yeah. Exactly. I work in my bedroom. I'm not filmed at all when I go to work. And that's, I'm saying, like, some people do it to be antagonistic and to kind of escalate situations uh, with the police. But I think it's one of the tools that people have to defend themselves and have a right to highlight if they are being treated unfairly, you know. So I don't think that should go through. It is kind of a very divisive debate, but I think... But for like for me, the problem is these circumstances around the clearing those people out of their protest. That's the problem. It's so in a thuggish manner. I do have a an issue with them trying to delegitimize the protest as well. Maybe the methods were wrong. The case. The government are trying to de- government and government agencies are trying to delegitimize a legitimate protest in order to take the heat off themselves rather than actually address the issue hmm. that's been put on the table well at least now the, the issue is police brutality instead of uh, yeah. housing yay and like that's the sad thing because 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 over the last two weeks the story's kind of disappeared oh the housing crisis hasn't gone anywhere though no the housing crisis hasn't gone anywhere but in terms of like the what the process was about hmm. the brutality they've kind of gotten away with it yeah which is kind of troubling that's one of the reasons i wanted to mention it so i wanted to give a voice on the podcast and can I keep it going for the people that listen to it? Yeah, and I directly contradicted most of what you said. So. Don't accept the status quo. Don't accept people trying to delegitimize legitimate movements. Other big thing in Ireland at the moment, Ken, we have a presidential election going on. We do? I'd run. You have to be 35. You no, have sorry, to be 35. We had, we, had, we had a referendum on this last year? Year before? Yeah. Last year. About lowering the age of the, the presidential uh, candidates to 18, which I'm firmly in support of. 
If you're an adult, you can run for president. But no, it was voted down, I think, like 60-40 or something like that. Yeah. But they what they did was they kind of lowballed it on purpose. They made it 21. So people go, oh no, 21 is too young. So I do, I'm 18. If you're an adult, you can run for president. Why not? You have to be elected. It's not like you can get this job without the people going, yes, you can have it. And it is a ceremonial position, after all. Yeah, our president is strange in that our president has, has limited constitutional powers. The president signs... He does sign in the government. He does sign in laws. Yes, he could refer all laws to the Supreme Court, and he is responsible for collapsing the the doll. Or, or, or he can't or, refuse to do it, or he without referring it, basically. So he doesn't have sweeping powers, but he does have powers to veto and then refer but the to the Supreme Court. Basically, the only time he has powers is in a is in a position of crisis. Yeah, and in that instance, you do want somebody who's not a dope. Yeah, but for the most part, he's a a, a statesman. He's a figurehead. Who represents us abroad and goes on various trips and meets people when they come here. Yeah, in the event, and it could happen because, you know, in the times of civil unrest, if things like housing crises and, you know, the minimum wage and doesn't go up. Because there, there is a certain amount of people that still feel squeezed out of this kind of new, you know, this new boom of being the kind of jewel of, of Europe again, like or the emerald of Europe, damn it. That's such a better phrase. Anyway, but I think that the president could be called upon to exercise his powers, so it needs to be a, a kind of a... I don't think the president would ever say no. Yeah. I suppose it depends on the situation. It depends on who's coming to him to say dissolve the I'm government. I'm fairly sure in the history to state that the, the, power, the, the president has never used his powers. It's happened once, I think. Once. But even now, remember, remember in like the 70s and 80s when yeah. Fine was in government every like two weeks and it would collapse? Yeah. I think he's dissolved it once then. Yeah. But he's only ever kind of got out of his way one time. But like in terms of vetoing laws or not refusing to sign laws or anything like that, I don't think it's ever happened. Probably hasn't, though. No. But um, it's become a bit of a media circus here in Ireland. Yes, um, there is this very strange thing where I think a good like 60% of a percent, a percent of our candidates for president at the moment were, were businessmen who were on the show Dragon's Den. Or if you're an American listener, it's the equivalent of Shark Tank. Yeah. The Irish version, we should say. Not any. So it's basically the equivalent of Mark Cuban running for president, and or it's the equivalent of Donald Trump running for president. <laughs> it's, it's no, they're not that bad, no. but still. But they don't really have any conviction other than they kind of just want to be president to cement their own legacies. You see, the thing is, our pre- as I said, as we just illustrated, our presidential role is, is relatively meaningless. The person who holds that office is it's not the end of the world, no matter who it is. Like, like Trump could hold that office, and realistically, there's unlike Dude. America, he he could do very little damage, but to our reputa- reputation. And yet, you still want somebody who who like uh, what most of what you want out of that position is someone who can represent Ireland with dignity and intelligence, which I think our current president Michael D. Higgins does do a great deal, and Sean Gallagher or what's his name. Peter Casey, Peter Casey, Gavin Duffy. Gavin Duffy, all of whom were on the television show Dragons Den. It's we don't understand it either. It's very strange. Yeah. <laughs> Gavin Duffy is like almost like a prerequisite at the stage. Like uh, I read a tweet from uh, from Blind Boy up to Rubber Bandits, who mm. I enjoy, who also has a podcast I also enjoy and books that I enjoy. Uh, recommend you have one right over there right over there on my my the gospel according to blind boy and 15 short stories buy it now on amazon i'm sure he has a, a, a an audible version that he probably performs himself he will be releasing that apparently soon anyway we're getting sidetracked <laughs> he said running for the president of ireland is like the new midlife crisis <laughs> it sure is and like the, the, one of the people running sean gallagher he ran seven years ago seven year presidency isn't it seven year term yeah yeah seven year terms he ran in 2011 in what was the best election because our elections if they're pure like popcorn drama elections it's kind of good because it doesn't really matter uh, we've never really had that before 
Like not in a long time, anyway. Yeah. So he had he had uh, he was running as an independent and ha- had kind of dubious ties to like the the political parties everyone hated at the time, Fianna Fáil. So on national television, uh, Senator David Norris managed to get him to say, "I know nothing about brown envelopes." <laughs> To which he responded, who said anything about brown envelopes? Yeah, yeah. It was wonderful television. You could see, like, he was the front runner, and you could see the campaign explode on national television in real time, and he lost by a a considerable margin in the end. It was the best. He was about to win. He was going to win. He was going to win. He was front runner. Although, that whole conversation came from a tweet that was read out in the debate, which he subsequently sued RTE for, who we talked about earlier, and... One, because he said that it was unfair. It was Why was it unfair? Because it was unvetted, I guess. Or I don't care. That makes me less. That, that makes me even more annoyed. I don't want to vote for him now because that makes him a sore loser. He's petty. He's yeah. a child. It does seem like he's running like he, because he couldn't accept the loss the last time. There's very few quality candidates. I think we've had all the candidates that, that we're going to have now. Michael D. <laughs> Some people, Dad, are ta- Dad <laughs> are taking exception with the fact that he is quite old mm-hmm. and he did say he would only serve one term. But I would say he is entitled to change his mind, and he has been an excellent representative for the country. If you want someone to be our first citizen as such and show the best light of us abroad, he is that person. Yep, and he can die in office for all I care. Let him do it. Who cares? But like these businessmen, and like it's basically Ireland is becoming a lot like America in the sense that politics is for the rich because it's only yeah, important to, to run and win, win campaigns these days. I think our politics is still very local. But something doesn't sit really well with me about these rich men who just want kind of legacy shopping. They're legacy shopping. They're legacy. Like, they're legacy shopping because they want to be have their name written in, in history by doing like, the minimum. When when Sean Gallagher or or Gavin Duffy die. They're going to get an obituary and no one will remember they exist. <laughs> it's just like, and they've, they've tremendously successful men. They, they've uh, employed people throughout their lives. But if they don't win president, actually Sean Gallagher might be remembered for the guy who lost the presidency. Even yeah. if, he, if he's president, I think more of And seven years, I don't want seven years of Sean Gallagher just traipsing, traipsing around representing Ireland. Potentially 14. Yeah, and well, yeah. quite often in history to state, the president has been re-elected unopposed. Mm. So... We don't want 14 years of Gallagher. He's kind of... But like, the thing is, like, he got... Basically, to get nominated here, you have to be an incumbent president who mm-hmm. can nominate themselves. Actually, if you've only served one term, you can also nominate yourself. Mary so, Robinson can still nominate herself yeah, if so she so chooses. Our president from 1990 can still nominate herself for a second term. She didn't... She went off to work in the UN, didn't she? Mm-hmm. She also now hosts a podcast with Mae Pickens. You have to... How does she? It's it's her or Macaulay's. Which one is it? I don't know. It's about Both climate... presidents. It's about climate change, anyway. But then... You have to be nominated by a certain percentage of the Doyle, which is the uh, which is the, which is the government basically. Twenty TDs or senators, or senators. So one of the branches of the government, or four county councils, four, uh, which is like basically regional governments as such. But they don't yeah. have they don't yield as much power as in it's the U.S. Local government, everyone. Does. Yeah, but like the thing about Sean Gallagher is that a lot of the ones he got were what I would call Mickey Mouse ones, in that they're tiny and backward. Ken Ken hates Middle Ireland. You know, like flyover country. Cavan and Leitrim and like... like Cavan's uh, not a real place. That's uh, exactly. It's a, it's a collective delusion. I've met people who claim they're from Cavan that they're just attention seekers. These, these, these are people hired by the government in order to uh, ensure that they have the correct number of counties to just go around saying they're from Cavan. Notice they're never in Cavan when they do it. 
Yeah, but he just kind of he, he's found it kind of an easy route to being nominated. I feel like he's only doing it as kind of a revenge trip. I, 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 I think I'd campaign against him if he was favorite. I'm, there's yeah. something about his face. I don't even like object to anything he stands for. It's just something about his face that I don't want to put up with for seven years. But he's too smoke, and he just just. But the thing about him is that he's just too um, bland. Him and all the Dragon Dance people, they don't run as you said. They're legacy shopping. They don't have any strong feelings, platforms. Mm reasons to be present other than unlike his. kevin sharkey who dropped out this weekend who wants to re-implement the death penalty and wants to build for only for people who attack elderly in their home which is very specific i wonder whose vote he's courting with that yeah and uh, the other thing he wanted was to build famine memorials all over the country i'm like and oh, oh wow Gar, he happens to be an artist yeah and this is a big old bummer there kevin sharkey you want to depress us all he dropped out this week and he's like claiming racism and just the whole system is broken and that he couldn't get no fair to get a nomination or something like that then he was like at no stage was i just running for president in order to promote my art and then in the statement he released withdrawing from the president from seeking presidential nomination he promoted his upcoming his upcoming gallery in, in art so with a like, link to a soundcloud the literal no no, no that, that was a joke oh shit I thought, he, I thought he actually did it that was a very good satire on my part Ken no but I, apparently he is releasing a song is there, was, there was a song was there yeah oh. apparently he actually did it well I don't think he linked to the soundcloud though he didn't link to a soundcloud but he did link to some sort of song apparently that was my very good tweet it's like I, I, with, uh, my presidential election was, was in no way to to promote my art to which he responded with a soundcloud link to his soundcloud <laughs> a, a soundcloud link to his soundcloud yeah i had to pat myself on the back but yeah i'm voting michael d i've not been swayed to, to consider otherwise he's a big trump supporter as well kevin sharkey oh, i thought you were talking michael d it's like oh no <laughs> everything has gone wrong but uh, do you know it's funny because all these guys from dragon's den are legacy shopping and they likely won't succeed I but so. donald trump was doing the same thing he succeeded and there was much higher stakes but I'd like to think we're less stupid than the Americans. But I hope we but never know. I think know. there is a, a certain section of the country, as I said, kind of rural areas that will support Gallagher. Especially the as, uh, Gallagher's not Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not throw him in that conversation. He's not a... He's just kind of... Uh. There is a fairly vocal section of the community that feels like he was hard done by the last time. So I think he will have traction this time. But And there's also uh, a really strong candidate, uh, Joan Freeman from... Is Joan Freeman? I don't know her name. Her name is Joan anyway. She's, uh, I'll learn her name when they She's the founder of Pieta House, which is a, a suicide awareness charity, and that's her platform. So she actually has she she's has, running on something. Yeah, she, she has a strong vision for her time in office. So I think if I were to guess, I think Michael D will win. Polls predict him at sixty-seven percent last week. So apparently, it's just a run. In fact, the field isn't fully ready. Yeah, it's a complete waste of time of an election. I think it's if you're going now, I think it's actually wasting a nomination. To be honest, the thing is, I think everyone that's going to vote. Is just going to vote Michael D because they couldn't be arsed thinking about it. Yeah. And that's kind of probably what I'll do. I'm like, I instinctively don't really like any of the rest of you. So I'm just going to vote for the guy that I like. He did a pretty good job. So if I were to guess, it's Michael D by a large margin, Joan Freeman second, and Sean Gallagher third. We shall see. But shall we go on to our main segment? We shall because we're an hour and ten minutes into the podcast. Listen, we did. We have a, we we go two weeks without the podcast. We give you double podcast. It's like three podcasts in one. Yeah, we just keep on talking. You just keep on hearing the sound of my voice. And for, like people run like three, four, five hour podcasts. We're not that bad. I think pod, people like. I think forty minutes is the sweet spot. Forty minutes is the sweet spot, but people consume podcasts in different ways, and there is people who will look at a podcast this long and be turned off. But like. For me, and I think a lot of people, people consume podcasts in chunks. So, like, I won't 
have to listen to it all in one go so like I listen to someone on my commute to work someone on the way back and someone in the evening you know like I listen to it in different places at different times mm-hmm. so uh, that's and how I, yeah, a, lot, a lot of workplaces are fine with you sticking some headphones on while you're doing work these days so yeah that's my justification for this and if you're not if you're a workplace that isn't you're just doing something wrong seriously like unless the job requires you to need your ears at all times if you don't let someone just stick some music or a podcast in their ears while they're doing some mundane task stop being a terrible place to work anyway not no nowhere i've ever worked has been like that so it sounds like i'm vindictive against the place in particular but no it's just the principle of it there's a rant hmm so we do this every year well every year we've had the uh, you know the podcast has been in production mm. so we're bringing it back it's our fall slash autumn tv preview i only autumn. i only use the word fall when referring to american television like yeah. literally the only time because it's an american word for autumn yes when i look at it my list is quite heavy on comedy when i look I, I, if i'm looking at it written down i don't watch many dramas so like a drama has to be kind of really gripping with a compelling premise or has an element of levity to it or kind of I'm more like partial to a, like a, a dramedy. I gravitate more towards those. Yeah. A lot of web-based series as we talked about earlier but that's the way things are going. I, like as I said before I still have a uh, you know I still have a dish I still have a, ter- a terrestrial that's a hard word to say TV connection but most of my favourite shows these days are online. That's just the way it is. It's just easier to watch. It's easier to watch. It's, it's so lazy that like I could download a show that takes two minutes but it requires the act of like going to do it or it's just like I'll just throw whatever dumb crap is on Netflix this week. Exactly. And it's so accessible and it's on your terms. I know TV has become more like that as well. With yeah. kind of, I've, I don't watch TV on TV. No. When was the last time you watched the TV? Actually you do probably more than I do. I do but... more but like I do a lot of my shows I watch on my own time when I record them and that's mm. the way I prefer it that's I think that's the way mo- that's the model TV has to follow if they want to survive so you know like right. the TiVo and Sky have it right I watch sports on TV that's the only thing I watch on TV now we'll say this split into shows that are new and some that are returning we've referenced some of them already I may not watch all of them or like you know as in like before maybe even any of them <laughs> like consistently like but I they pique my interest enough to give them the old three episode sampler test that mm. Gar I basically just create. have a list of shows that the trailers inspired me to have something to say about them and I may never watch them who knows <laughs> okay so should, what, how do you want to do this do you want to go through artists separately or uh, I'm just going to go through my list because <laughs> okay. there, there, uh, there's, there's some in common with some of the stuff you have so okay cool. first the kids are all right a show on ABC about a very large family with like eight children and I got about I think about 10 seconds into the trailer where there was, there was it's set in like the 70s is that the one about the Irish American family I'm not sure I got 10 seconds into the trailer and it was a bad fake news joke so I'm like nope nope <laughs> I'm out then onto the cool kids Ken which is a Fox show about old people and they're like aren't the wacky old people doing wacky things like it's kind of like flipping the kind of connotation it's had to like retirement homes or where people go to die yeah basically they're just like they're still as kind of virile and as mischievous and as basically trash human beings as ever yeah. they're just older so gar if you can name all four members of the main cast i'll give you a cookie i only know one i only know martin mall martin mall who was withered craft yes. on sabrina we also we'll talk about it in a moment david alan greer of in living color fame if you remember that no i don't in living color was basically black snl okay it was created by Keenan Ivory Wayans, like the patriarch of the, the Wayans prolific family. Wayans family. Yes, there's a, actually I have a Damon Wayans Jr. show on this on this list. I think I do. Yes, it also. Oh, I saw that and I ignored it because it kind of kind of. It's executive okay. produced. We'll talk about it. It's Happy Together on uh, CBS. We'll executive produced by Harry Styles, based on the experiences of his life. 
Harry Styles from One Direction. Well, Harry Styles from One Direction. Because the, the premise of the show is Damon Wayans and his his, his lady co- uh, wife, par- I don't know, lady partner, uh, are living together. They have their nice happy house. And then the, this washed up musician whom he, uh, Damon Wayans happens to manage the finances of, uh, something happens and he moves in with them. So I assume the musician is meant to be a stand-in for Harry Styles. Not played by Harry Styles, but... I think the show would be better if it was. Anyway. Gary, you got sidetracked from the cool kids. Let's do one at a time, please. Sorry. So it also stars Leslie Jordan and Vicky Lawrence. Mm. Leslie Jordan, um, kind of AC and popping into sitcoms now and again, most famously in Will and Grace, I think. No? I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> Very famous gay dandy, basically. <laughs> okay. That's how I describe him. But the trailer, it didn't have a huge amount of laughs, but I just, it just looks more like, kind of in the vein of like your two and a half men or... Your, your, I got a minute in the trailer and got bored. Your, your Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I'm not even giving it because part of the reason I don't watch all the trailers is because all the trailer is usually like the entire pilot because they want you to they want to pitch it. So the trailer is, is usually like a four minute cut down version of the pilot. But I got bored. It's like don't old people do the darndest things. And I'm like all right, I get it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. No, like if you got deep into the trailer and fair scare, I had the same urge early in the trailer to okay. turn it off. It does seem like it, it. it's a kind of watchable mm. while not having to be too engaged, which I do have room in my schedule for that kind of show that I don't have to be too concerned about what's going on or even the plot or any storylines. I just can turn it on and turn my brain off. I think that's important. Yeah. Up next for me, FBI. The show is just called FBI, nothing else. Yeah. Which means it's going to have very bad search engine optimization. <laughs> not a huge fan of police procedurals. Yeah, I, you see, I watched this trailer, and uh, it's about two people who are in the FBI. And the tra- in the trailer, a building blows up, and then a solemn version of Wonderwall plays. And it's like, yeah, I understand this show. And it's made by Dick Wolf of Law and Order fame. And I don't know. There's there's a chance shows like this are, are more than just crime of the week, and they do something interesting. But it's a CBS procedural, so it's probably not going to be. Uh, then Magnum PI is coming back, Ken. Yeah. Do you watch the trailer? Yeah, super broy, super broy. It's very there's a lot of broiness in this trailer. I'm like, ugh. And like, then the, that, 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 those shows do tend to do well. Like some good chance of survival. And like in the trailer, he has all these friends. And it's like, and now I'm going through my go through my friends. There is Jake. He's the wise cracking one. There is Veronica. She's the stern lady who keeps us on track. I'm like, nah, I'm out. I'm not watching you, Magnum Pi. I don't care about your revival. So uh, out Magnum Pi. Yeah. Up next, the first one I'm in on, God Friended Me. Yes, that's so, also on my list. On CBS. The, the, the premise is a little kind of like... Uh, it's you know a, it reminds a, me of Touched by an Angel. Why? Just God shows up all the time. God shows up all the time, which I loved as a kid for some reason. Mm. But yeah, there's this podcast host who's very anti-atheist, and then his father is a preacher who's like, oh, son, I'm disappointed that you don't believe in God. And then God friends him on Facebook and you starts... You said he was anti-atheist. Oh, no, he's atheist. He's anti-God. Never mind. Yeah, the podcast host hates God, father likes God, God friends podcast host on Facebook. That's the premise of the show. And they go from there. What worries me, it's a drama. Yeah. This seems like a good comedy premise. I'm not sure is it a good, like, 40-minute drama premise. We'll see. But there's enough there. Like, there's an idea there that I'm like, okay. Or even a comedy with dramedy. Uh, drama, sorry, drama elements, like a dramedy. A dramedy. But 
40 minutes does seem long for this kind of show. I would have said 30 minutes, but it, it is kind of apparently in the mode of a procedural. Yeah, I, I, it's I, like I, a case of the week kind of thing. Yeah, there's, a, there's God suddenly has people from Facebook pop up in his feed that he needs the help or something like that. And I see him a different person will pop up and they have to find the person, find what the problem is and help them every week. Which, you know, might be fun. And there's like a broader theme there other than crime, FBI. So it's, it's like a little more interesting than that. But we'll see. Reminds me of Quantum Leap as well, which I liked. Mm. So, oh no, my phone went on standby again. I was going to write these down on a list, but I swore I brought a pen with me. But I went searching through my bag on the bus for like 10 minutes trying to find this pen, and I apparently didn't bring the pen. Uh, next up again, Charmed. Charmed is back. Charmed is back on the C-dub. Oh, I forgot about that. It's set in the 1920s this time now, isn't it? No. I thought it was. That's one of the early rumors I saw. It's, it's basically just Charmed. The mother dies, then they get their powers because the mother binded their powers, and then they're brought together and they have to find out why they. It's a reboot, though, isn't it? It's a reboot. It's a full reboot. And I think some of the original cast are a little salty about the fact that it's a full reboot. None of them yeah. were involved. They're like, oh, Charmed is ours. It's not Charmed without us. It's like it is now. And I, I like Charmed. It's yeah. like it's a fun little show, and it's a C dub show, so you kind of know what you're going to get with the Charmed C dub show. But we'll see. I'll probably watch some Charmed. Do you, want, try. do you like Charmed? It's one of those things, like, if I was not working, like, back when I was in college or or even now, like, if it's on during the day and, like, you have nothing in particular to do or watch, you just leave it on because yeah. it's just watchable. I will say there's probably a deal breaker in relation to Charmed, Ken. What? The theme song. Oh, dear. If uh, I don't know what the theme song is, I like the Charmed theme song. So if it's something entirely different, I might hate it. If it's a bad remix, I might hate it. If it's the original theme song, I'd probably love it. So yeah, pander to my nostalgia, Charmed. Don't try and don't try and reinvent the wheel. Uh, next up is Happy Together. I don't know. I might watch it. I don't like Damon Wayans. Actually, I, the only reason I don't like Damon Wayans Jr. is because I didn't like him on New Girl because he didn't have a role on the show because he was playing the same role Winston played on the show. But um, see, we'll see. The, the background to that was, it was that he did the pilot, mm-hmm. but at the same time he was doing the pilot for Happy Endings. Which got picked up. So he committed to that. He was forced to commit to that, actually, apparently. Yeah. And they replaced him with a similar character. Yeah. So having both those characters made no sense. Two black people can't be on the show, can they, Can? No. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Straight out, no. All-American on the C-dub. Football show. Black guy gets dumped into a preppy white school. Which, uh... Kind of fresh prince prize there. Yeah, but we'll see. It's a, Again, it's a C-dub show, so it's very pretty-looking teenage people who are actually in their 20s who are always mean to each other. It's from the producers of Riverdale, which I'm uneven on, and Mark Berlanti, who's the, the like the C-dub cinematic superhero universe person, does The Flash. That uh, that's, that's, uh, that's another few episodes. I might do what I did with Riverdale. I actually ended up watching the full first season of Riverdale, I think. Yeah, never came back for season two. But I'm gonna give it a try. I'll, gi- I'll give All American a when try. I heard about that show. I just felt like there's a show called Friday Night Lights. Yeah, it's, 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 better. it's Friday Night Lights. Yeah, it's Friday Night Lights. Next, uh, Single Parents, a show about a bunch of single parents. They really yeah. thought long and hard about the title. It's based around a school. This new single parent is like super into a single parenting and helping oh, it's kids. Like, it's on SNL. He was like the the uh, Tarum Killen. T- yes, he was like the the tool guy on SNL for a long time. Yeah, so he's in this, and, and there's it's like a wacky bunch of parents who come together to support each other. And I think it could be a nice, sweet, funny comedy over time, or it might be broad and annoying. It, the, the, like the pilot seems very broad. I think that's the theme of all these pilots. Yeah. They're very like broad. Ha ha! Casting and I have to see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Or it's, the only thing about Tarum Killen is that I don't, I don't hate him. 
Right. <laughs> but I, I'm not a huge fan of his comedy, but I do enjoy him in cameo roles in small doses. Like, he he's effective being plugged into a sitcom for an episode or two. So you, you, you don't buy him as a lead? I don't buy him as a lead. Yeah, that's kind of my... Well, so, you're out on this. <laughs> because it actually, when I was making my list, it, I came across it and I just ignored it. <laughs> uh, next up is The Rookie, starring Nathan Fillion. He gets divorced. So he becomes a cop in his 40s. <laughs> I saw this as well. I think that Nathan Fillion is better served. Well, it's Castle. Yeah, it's, it's Castle. And like the like uh, he, he stumbles across a bank robbery. He's like, this is the biggest thrill of my life. I'm going to be a cop. And then the, the, the people in the police station hate him because he's old. But he's also Nathan Fillion, so he's probably charming. So, I don't know. It's Nathan Fillion. He's charming. So it probably won't be like bland procedural. There'll probably be some like wit and charisma there as opposed to like grim. There's a bomb. Oh no. You know, like criminal minds, which is just like beating over the head with the worst of humanity every week. So yeah, I, I might give the rookie a few episodes. Is it a comedy? Uh, It's a drama with Nathan Fillion. So. Okay. Have you watched Castle? Yeah. Castle. It's probably Castle. Okay. Or it's, it is serious, but Nathan Fillion will just be goofing around for a good 40% of the time. Uh, I Feel Bad on ABC. It's about a person who feels bad. All right. I didn't come across this one. It's produced by Amy Poehler, which um, is the only reason I'm like, oh. Neighboring in the bell, yeah. And that, like, the trailer was kind of weird. Like, there's not, and the best thing is like, there's not really a premise there. It's just like, I, I live with my family. We're weird. And it's the only, it's the only one that d- didn't feel like it was just like a broad sitcom. It felt like they were they were drilling down a little, like that level below, like ha ha, we're just making broad jokes. So yeah, I feel bad. Maybe that's uh, I think that's that's the one that's most likely to be an actually good comedy. <laughs> uh, next up, one on you have on the list as well, Manifest, which yes. is my big problem with this TV season. Based on uh, on the bus here, I spend an hour watching trailers or giving up on trailers after a minute, as is the case sometimes. This is the first one that you're like. Oh, someone's going for something, yeah. you know? And, like, people will say, oh, Lost or Fringe or all those kind of shows that, uh, to varying degrees, lost the run of themselves. But I'll always take a show that tries to do something weird and loses yeah. the run of itself than just, like, FBI. Exactly. I put this on my list, and I wasn't a fan of Fringe. I wasn't a fan of Lost. I love Fringe. Fringe is phenomenal. So, <laughs> anyway. I, I, I am cautious that it does seem to be in the same kind of vein as those, but it's not so much the mystery that I'm intrigued with, because, like, that may or may not end in a satisfying fashion depending on as you said whether it loses its way or not mm. but I just was really struck by the premise that like some people like literally they were yeah playing went up in the air they were in a period of their lives and then they come back and life has moved on but they're the same yeah so the premise of the show was like people get in the flight the flight takes off and lands five years later and people are like what the hell happened where did these people go what happened what, what happened in five years and they're the exact same for them I'm pretty sure passage of time is just like the, the duration of the flight right yeah but, but for everyone else that's on the ground it's five years so I think there's a lot of interesting stories and drama that can come, come out of that like that people's Some, lives have moved on but theirs haven't yeah somebody's father died one of them married somebody else that so, kind of stuff yeah, so, yeah. Uh, for another their, their child had leukemia and there was no cure but five years later there was a cure yeah. so 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 yeah that that's a but uh, i'm it's the I, i'm the exact opposite of you that's like all right that's all fine i'm here for the dumb drama i'm, I'm what's the mystery where'd the plane go is there aliens is it time travel uh, is it some kind of secret government operation are these people actually robots i don't know all these things could happen i want all of them to happen at once that's why i'm there that's why uh, i'll watch manifest because as I said, I just all of these dramas that 
popular. Uh, well, God friended me at least as an idea, but that's just going to become, you know, crime of the week. But all all of these dramas are just bland procedurals, and I want something that has that might have something a little more. And that I, that on what channel is it on? CBS. CBS. Yep. Which is rare for CBS. They're, they're trying yeah. something, but they're going for an event, aren't they? And the last one I have on the list, you also have on your list, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is the Sabrina the Teenage Witch uh, reboot? It's kind of a reboot, but it's more based on the comic book. Right. The Archie it's comic. darker. Yeah. I'm not sure I like that. I, I, I really like the tone of that original Sabrina show. But as you talked about before, Garrett, you can adapt something that mm. that's from a similar property, but it's okay with it being a new thing. You might as well do something different with it. So, like... It being darker means it's probably less likely to be for me, but that doesn't mean it won't be good. The biggest disservice you can do yourself is compare it to the sitcom because it's not. It's not. It's not a sitcom. No, it's a drama. It's a drama. It's kind of a supernatural. It leans more to the supernatural elements and kind of. It's kind of. It's got horror vibes. Just watch the trailer. You'll get the tone of the show immediately. Yeah, I reckon if you're a fan of Stranger Things, it's going to be for you. Well, Stranger Things is more like. I don't know. Stranger Things is more like. Like I think the, the, kids do the darndest things. Actually, I meant to say for that that single yeah. parent show, if that leans into kids do the darndest things, it yeah. might be a good show. If it doesn't, it won't be. Yeah, the trip, but the trailer is quite dark. But I don't think, yeah, you because know, it's from the same people that do Riverdale. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's going to be like fully like, blah, you know, this is really great. Just and, depressed and expelliarmus. One of those shows where it's for some reason dark all the time. Mm. But I think there will be kind of lighter elements to it. But I just think that it's a, a different take on Sabrina that's been done before. And it's got Ross Lynch as Harvey Kinkle. I like Ross Lynch. What's what? Oh, the the guy from the Disney Channel. Yeah. He's aged weird, though. Yeah. He, you know, he was a dashing young teenager, but now he's like awkward 20s. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I'm he's a qu- better looking man than me, so I could I probably shouldn't critique how he looks. But anyway. I'm going to quickly go through my list. Some of these things are out already. We'll go through some of the stuff that's returning and then we'll do uh, we'll veer we'll, we'll take a left turn at some some of the notable talking points of the season quickly mm-hmm. goes through those trying try and uh, keep this to uh, a pithy two hours <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh first of my list from netflix is maniac with jonah hill and emma stone is the theme song he's a maniac maniac no all right i'm out it's based on a norwegian <laughs> it's based on a norwegian television show of the same name I a witch Norwegian? Oh, Norwegian. Oh, yeah, the freaking Scandinavians making good TV lately. Good drama. We don't, yeah. we don't make good drama, but the Scandinavians do. Exactly. Well, it's mostly Norwegian, though, so screw you, the rest of Scandinavia. Obviously, it's got a good cast. It's also got Justin Thoreau as a bit of a mad scientist. Mm. It basically kind of, there are two people who have mental health issues who are going into a, a clinical trial, and they take this drug, and then kind of go into, like, alternate realities. Oh, is it all, like, what's real, what's fake? I don't yeah. like that stuff. Yeah, but like they do something fun with it, like like they go, so they go into different realities, like ones where they're like parents in the eighties, mm. one where they're Lord of the Rings characters in like, kind of that kind of universe. So it kind of takes them on a journey. So it is one of those things, but it, it does seem a bit a different take on it. So I do, I do think I'll be, and it's been kind of really well received so far. So also, I don't like Jonah Hill. <laughs> I do, I I think that it, like if you kind of judge him by his earlier work, it, you can kind of be kind of turned off him but i think in in recent years i think he's done some really good stuff so all right he deserves a chance care okay fine uh the next one disenchantment on netflix now we said television can not internet vision shut up care all right it's the same thing these days all my shows were tv except sabrina it's by mac Roning of the simpsons which you might say uh, oh yeah that's, that's that's out yet i thought that was called disenfranchised no 
disenchantment. It's based in a kind of a anyway. kind of a medieval realm with magical elements. More Futurama or more Simpsons? Mixture. It seems a mixture of the two. Mm. The thing that interests me, like the Simpsons, we all know it's basically. It's, it's Are you going to badmouth modern Simpsons? I'm not going to badmouth modern I'm Simpsons. A, I'm a modern Simpsons defender. I think it's fine. No, it's people fine. are like it's the worst show on earth. That's it's fine, but it's fine. But it's become kind of a juggernaut. That's kind of it's like it's a kind of runaway train. It's kind of it's it's in season like 20, 20 million. It's long since outgrown these characters' capacity to grow. It's just that's it, what I, that's what I'm saying. Like so, there's no challenge there for Matt growing anymore as a creator, mm. and that's why some of his better work was in Futurama. Disney in owns years. the Simpsons now, Ken. Well, that sale hasn't gone through because there is scrutiny about it. But like, they did. Kevin Feige just took over the freaking Fox films. Yeah. The fact that the X Men and Dead so that tells me it's inevitable. Yeah, but basically, it's, so it's a it's a limited series, and it actually has an arc which he hasn't done before. So I just find that very interesting. Mm. I think that. So it's not the Simpsons where, no matter what happens in the episode, it didn't happen next week. Yeah, they've done multiple timelines of Marge and. Uh, Homer's already marriage, mm. so none of it makes sense. But this. Oh, is did you see? Actually, there was a, a a some one of the writers of The Simpsons was like watching an episode back, and they noticed like they went back to before Maggie was born, and you know there was a picture of Maggie on the wall in the living room. Yeah, it's like they just used that animation, so it's just a picture of Maggie on the wall set before Maggie was born. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you would argue it's Lisa, but yeah. So disenchantment. I just look. I'm just curious to see. You know, basically, old master get a fresh yeah, project. Futurama's you know? good. Yeah, some would argue better than The Simpsons. Another animated comedy on Netflix called Paradise PD. It's kind of uh, an adult TV show in the kind of vein of maybe a South Park, Ugh. but basically, uh, from what I understand, I only saw the trailer. A, a, a town, a small town, loses their police force and get desperate and just take on a bunch of misfits as their police force and hilarity ensues. Mm. I'm going to give it a try. It looks like it might be funny or it might be really terrible in the vein of F is for family. Yeah, or or IPD, yeah. which the title reminded me of. Jack Ryan starring Jim, Jim from The Office, or John Krasinski Jim. in real life. Um, Does he Jim the camera? I don't know. No, I haven't seen better. it, but it just seems like uh, it basically it seems, almost seems like a movie played out over a series. But like, I think he's good lead. He's actually surprisingly good in action films. What's that Tom Cruise film that's Ryan too? That's not Ryan. That's Jack Reacher. Jack, oh, it's Jack. The Jack is. I knew there was a, the, the one of the names was the same. And there, was, the, there was a film made of this with the guy from Star Trek whose name escaping me at the moment. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah, yeah. wasn't great. Oh yeah, because I, I knew that, like that it, it, it triggered bells somewhere. As I said, I'm not a fan of procedurals, but I think like, it kind of has procedural elements, but there's a like, through line to it. So you're a big fan of Jim, is what you're saying. Big fan of Jim, so I'm going to give it a try. Uh, Kidding on Showtime with Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it's kind of like um. Do you know that documentary that was released recently on that kids' TV show, that beloved guy? You're really not Mr. Right Rogers' down. Neighborhood. There you go. Yeah. So like, basically, it's kind of a similar person, but like, his basically his life starts to unravel. That seems a very Jim Carrey kind of thing. Yeah, and his mental health starts to kind of wane. So like, basically, Are you sure this isn't just a, a like biopic of Jim Carrey. <laughs> Yeah, so it seems similar enough to some of his previous work, but it's just kind of like, you know, an interesting... It seemed The trailer is weird and trippy, and it, it kind of pulled me in, so I'm going to give it a go. Hmm. See what else I have. A Million Little Things, Gareth, starring James Roday. Depressing. On ABC. Have you watched the trailer? Yeah, it's so, depressing. I like James Roday, but the show depressed me. <laughs> yeah, so the premise of this show is that uh, a group of friends who become friends because they get 
locked in an elevator together. Mm. Uh, Which is so unrealistic. Yeah. Like, everyone knows. No matter how... If you're stuck in an elevator for three days with somebody, the second you walk out of that elevator, you're never seeing that person again. You know it. Oh, you might not even talk to them when you're in the elevator. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to... They're awkward. I'm just going to keep to myself for this three days. (laughs) This is my corner of the elevator. (laughs) Draw a line. But basically, one of the friends kills himself in kind of dubious or mysterious circumstances. There is a hint in the trailer that there's more to it. Yeah, because when you watch the trailer, it's like, okay, a friend of theirs kills himself and the show is about the impact that it has on the people. But then toward the end of the trailer, it's like, oh, is there more? Was he? Was there a reason? Was he? Didn't he not kill himself? Was he killed? And honestly, that's what would drag me into the show other than like the bummer. Oh, our lives are terrible. Yeah. We have to examine our own like existence and humanity and and acknowledge our own fertility, frailty, frailty, not fertility, mortality. There you go, words. Um, but that that would bum me out. Or is the show about ooh, what actually happened to him? I'd be like, oh, maybe I will watch this. Yeah. So they're on pretty bad places in their lives, and they're just it causes them to gotta take stock of it. And the trailer is a bit of a bummer, but there is quite a few comedic actors in there which makes me think that there will be some kind of lighter elements to it i just like james roday as you know we're both fans mm. of psych so I, I think it's worth a try it's worth the old college try again mm. and Dulé's on Dulé hill is on suits now which is really disappointing because that show sucks yeah it's so bad so my last one is schooled on abc uh a lot of abc ones here on the list abc generally like abc in a uh, I think. NBC. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, Manifest is NBC, not CBS. That makes more sense. Yeah. Well, when I when I was like, oh, that's unlike NBC. It's like in my head, I was thinking CBS, which CBS would never make this show. Yeah. This is definitely an NBC show. So, School on ABC is a spinoff of the Goldbergs. It stars the coach and the vice principal, and uh, one of the teenagers who is in the series. As I think she becomes a teacher, uh, or she comes back to her old school for one reason or another. There's not a trailer for it yet, which makes me think it's uh, mid-season. It's a mid-season show, but I like the Goldbergs, so I figure it's a kind of affable twenty-minute comedy. It might be have the same kind of charm. I, I'm I'm a sucker for the '80s, and I like '80s nostalgia and music, and they and the Goldbergs use that very effectively. Segway into shows that are returning that I'm looking to see more of. Uh, Goldbergs is on that list because it's ran for a few seasons now. It's probably coming towards the end. Have I ever watched... I think I watched most of the first season of the Goldbergs, but then kind of got bored. You got bored by it? But like, it's another one of those shows that like, it's not mind-blowing, and there is very few laughs in it for me. It's like, but like, more like, like, oh, that's kind of an amusing premise, but I like the characters, I like the setting, I like the music, I like the kind of nostalgia element to it, so I'm going to write out the Goldbergs. I feel like it's coming to an end, and I don't feel like they're... I think it's renewed for two more seasons. I think that'll be kind of the end of it. Um, we'll talk. I'll, I'll go through some of the ones that you probably don't watch, and then we'll kind of go to the ones that we do watch. Um, you might disagree with this guy, but Young Sheldon, another in the vein of Big Bang Theory, turn my brain off show that isn't particularly good or bad, but it's just, but it has a lot more charm and heart to it that, than the Big Bang Theory has. Sorry, like Big Bang Theory is gone. Fill the hole in my heart with well, it's not gone yet. There's a season left of it with with Young Sheldon. Yeah, so it's slightly more satisfying. Let's see what else we have. Lethal Weapon, despite the recast of one of the leads. Uh, so, Clayne Crawford, who played Riggs, who's like one of the main characters, uh, gets killed off at the end of the second season. Sorry for spoilers. If that's <laughs> yeah. um, he got killed off. I think he got killed off or he leaves. I can't remember because I haven't seen it yet, but I've read about it because I haven't watched the second series, which I'm in the middle of watching it. 
but he um wait so you know you spoiled it on yourself but like this is all very public because apparently he was very abusive on set and he was problematic and he got kicked off the show basically that's okay. what he got written off uh he's got he's getting replaced by his cousin okay air quotes sean william scott okay uh, uh, <laughs> but like damon wayans is in it as as murtaugh and i found the first uh, season very enjoyable as kind of a police procedural with a comedic element with good special effects so i'm hoping it continues in terms of that kind of quality and levity but sometimes a retool like this is a kiss of death so mm. I, i'm not sure if it's gonna continue we said american vandal so i don't i'm looking forward great to show that. watch it i haven't watched it yet but i will watch it on your recommendation and because i love it anyway and i recommend that everyone out there watches it if they haven't seen it you could binge two seasons in literally a day if you want to mm. Travels with my father with Jack Whitehall and Michael Whitehall is returning for a second season. Remember that show where Baz went around with his mom? Yeah. Is that just this with Jack Whitehall? Yes. So much right. more it's much more entertaining. So basically But that show was entertaining in fairness. Basically, his mom is a star. His mom is the star of that show, but uh, much like this, like Jack Whitehall is an established star, but his dad is a star through this show because basically he wants nothing to do with his dad his son's lifestyle. Or he wants nothing to do with travel or other cultures because he's like thoroughly British. That's all he cares about. Mm. Uh, that's it. That's that's it's, it's literally the bad show. <laughs> yeah. So then he goes, but it's it's enjoyable. It's on Netflix. It's one of those ones you can just kind of watch with your dinner. It's good. Mm. Uh, travel Man with, with Richard Iwade. Uh, he's you know he was in the IT crowd and a few films that kind of petered out. But basically, he go uh, basically he spends forty eight hours in cities around the world with a celebrity and then. But the, the crux of the show is that he hates traveling and he hates... So it's the same as the last everything. show. <laughs> yeah, but he, he basically hates everything. So like, but, so it's the, the Car- it's the Carl Pilkington show then, is it? It's got, but it's enjoyable because he's Remember very... that was really good. Yeah. Anyway. He's very knowledgeable, very factual, and that you find out a lot about the city, you see the best of it. He always does the best things, but then he's like very indifferent to all of it, which is, for some reason is hilarious. So. Mm. That's kind of basically it. Uh, the only couple of ones I want to mention: Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Are you a watcher of that car? I gave up in season one when I got mad at the fact that they went back to the they just reset things. Yeah, it was wonky in season two, but it recovered really well in season three. Yeah, so I gave up on it. So like second half of season two, season three, very much got back in course. I recommend you give that another try. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to see, like season the end of season three was like pretty much a game changer. So I'm looking forward to see where they go there. Good place. The best show on TV the best show on TV and what I love about this is that it is released on Netflix at the same time it's released in the US yeah over here which is nice that's also the best show on TV so it's literally the best sitcom on TV possibly even the best sitcom in the last kind of decade or so I think I would probably go so far as to say it had the best first season of a sitcom ever yeah because most sitcoms take time to find chemistry they take time to like discover the characters whereas this is just hit the ground running and it's the best show of all time do you know what what has made it the best show of all time do you know a couple of the shows I talked about there there's been retools ahead of the new season which as I said can be a kiss of death they've made that their strength like they can they completely change the show every season I won't not even every season they blow the show up every three, three or four episodes <laughs> and kind of rip the script up and kind of basically kind of reboot the world or you know change the starting positions of each of the characters and it just remains constantly compelling really funny very 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 in terms of we talked about trailers that had no laughs in it this is very joke dense and yeah. very laugh dense um it has all it's a mike sure show if you love parks yeah. and rec this is smarter parks and rec it has what all good sitcoms have which is, has a lot of good catchphrases that you know stuff that makes 
for good merchandise on NBC's website, mm-hmm. basically. So, and what we're in season three now? Season three, it's basically uh, if you haven't seen it, I won't give too much away, but basically, um, the and car- there's a giant daddy long legs in the room. I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> sorry, um, you're gonna be pretty freaked out because I think there's like an infestation in this house. Oh, that's nice because like every, every evening I like find like six of them in the house. Oh, so they keep, they keep springing from somewhere. Um, you can watch the live stream of that. Uh, sorry, <laughs> the, the event television of the season starting this week on Netflix. Twitch.tv slash TWSKK. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll set up a camera in Ken's room. Gently catching uh, Daddy Lang Legs and releasing them because my girlfriend is cold-blooded. She will kill them. Oh, she has no patience. She thinks they're dirty. It depends. Where, like if, if they're there when I'm about to go to sleep, I kill them. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm not having an insect in the room. I'm going to end up eating it. I don't feel like I can kill them I feel really arrogant for saying like your life is ending now I've decided yes murder I know they're insects but they're still tiny beings they don't have brains they're creatures and they, I don't know it feels really like I'm playing god or something I feel really weird about that you have every right to as the dominant species on this planet Gary you're so, Gary you really revealed yourself to be really a hardliner in this episode nah, 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 nah. life finds a way Ken now if we can catch the Dialogues in a piece of amber that I can put on top of a cane. Oh, then <laughs> all power to you. <laughs> then, all, like, then I'm okay with killing it because that's badass. But anyway, girl, what were we talking about before we got sidetracked? I don't know. The good place. I think we finished in the good place, though. Good place. I think the, the, the in terms of the biggest carpet pull of all at the start of this new season. Well, we don't want to spoil it. Exactly. So I'm not going to say what it is, but if it, you're it's not- one of those shows where, like, usually I'm like, look. Spoilers on a TV show wasn't that big, but this is a show where if you don't know what happens in the show and you get to those moments where those 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 moments happen, it blows your mind. Literally takes your breath away. So you can have the best of both worlds. They're, they're short, twenty minute episodes, lots of jokes, really likable fami- uh, characters who you are rooting for. You have Ted Danson with a bow tie. That's also a good selling point. The most likable man on the planet, clearly, and it's just. It's revolutionary writing, so I think that the if you're not watching TV. it, it's the best show on it. TV. It's just the best show on TV. A couple of talking points before we end up, Gary. We're getting on to the two-hour mark soon, so we're gonna wrap up pretty. You're gonna have fun editing soon. this tomorrow. I sure am. Although it's been gold so far, so I won't have much to do. Lol. Big Bang Theory is gonna end after twelve seasons, Gary. So the series finale is gonna air around May 2019. This is a show that's existed for a long time. But for me, as I said, it's one of those TV shows I watch with my dinner or watch when I don't particularly want to watch anything challenging or new just to kind of turn my brain off. But there's some people who really go to bat for this show and love it as they call, like people think it's really funny and a good sitcom. I rarely laugh at the Big Bang Theory. It's the people that love Friends. Have you ever laughed at Friends, Ken? Friends isn't a funny show. Rarely. Friends, it's like Friends is the 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 the, 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 the uh, Friends is the, the, the to the two thousands. There's too many T's in that sentence. As Big Bang theories is this to the twenty tens or the, well the late two thousands. I guess they overlapped. Actually, yeah, the Big Bang Theory started the season Friends ended, didn't it? Two thousand six. Uh, this is gonna be twenty. Yeah. So that's a weird transition. So either way, there's not that much time between them. It's kind the, of a replacement. I never thought about it that way. Actually. It's like the soul of Friends went into the Big Bang Theory and ran for twice as long as Friends did. But And it's kind of followed a similar life cycle where it's been a massive hit. It's had a long run. They're all getting paid massive money per episode now. Like So mm-hmm. So it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like a like for like in, in some ways. Yeah, um, they're, they're both very broad. 
very far-reaching comedies that don't try to do anything else but tell very broad jokes and and be utterly forgettable but people love them yeah i'm not i'm not against a long-running sitcom but i do think 12 seasons is enough for any I think five sure. or six is usually like the the, the sweet point is the sweet spot for most sitcoms. Over the BBC three, mm. which they get in, they get out. I, I always admire them for that. But here's one thing: I'm kind of curious to see where they go after this. Like on paper, because they have such currency in Hollywood that their careers should all do well from here. But I actually think it could be the opposite. Jim Parsons will be fine. Yeah. Kaylee Kluko will be fine. The rest. You know what I was thinking about today? Yeah. When you were watching Glee at the time, yeah, you would have assumed that was about, that was going to be a star vehicle for at least one of them. Yeah. And nearly all of them have disappeared. Even Jane Lynch has disappeared. Yeah. And and for she was like the breakout star, that show. Yeah, and Matthew Morrison and all the kids. None of them have done anything. See, a lot of them came from the stage and they went back to the stage. So mm. for for a good few of them, or they were aspiring to be on the stage. So like I know that uh, Amber Riley. The, that girl hmm. she's on the west end so i think maybe for a lot of them it served the purpose that they wanted it to serve yeah maybe didn't want to be hollywood but like yeah it's a good point yeah but johnny galecki do you think he's getting a lead no no he's just well he probably will but it'll be a one season cancel there exactly it's not david boreanis who goes from freaking uh a buffy the vampire slayer to angel to bones and is on television for 25 years it's a rule of the world that he's not allowed to be on television exactly basically if it, i think it's like one of the signs of the apocalypse if he goes yeah. off television if, if david boreanaz isn't on a show and he's on one of those cbs procedurals these days isn't he yeah if oh what's it called it's a swat or seal it, team or it's, something like it's that. one of those that has like the very generic fbi title if, if david boreanaz isn't on tv the world is ending it's the end of days yeah. julia hill is kind of one of those as well yeah he's been on tv for about 15 years as well because he bounced straight from the west wing to psych which was a good i don't know 15 year run on on tv straight but yeah yeah fair play to him. a couple other points here will we see season three of stranger things i haven't finished watching season two of stranger things really Ooh, i got halfway through it and it just kind of bored me a little i'm like oh all right i'm not i'm not a person that loved the first season but i enjoyed the first season and the second season i'm like I don't really feel it. I don't really feel why the show still exists. Mm. No, I'm still, I'm still on board. Mm. I feel as if if we do get it, it'll be late. It'll be kind of this time, 2019. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely this year. It's a mm. Halloween show. If it's not yeah. being released at Halloween, it's not being released. I don't, it's not going to be this Halloween, though. Yeah, that's no. what I'm saying. I think they're gonna, it's going to be becoming bigger, so it's kind of like but, Doctor but, Who and like that as it becomes speaking bigger. Speaking which... You didn't put that on the list. Doctor Who's back in two weeks. Yes, but that's a whole episode of itself, Karen. <laughs> that's next week, is it? Nope. As I look at the script. <laughs> yeah, Karen, you should know what we're doing. God's sake. All right. Last question. I mean, we kind of touched on it. Is Brooklyn Nine-Nine on its last legs? I haven't watched the most recent season, so who knows? But it's a show people like, and it still exists, so... The most recent season, I wasn't laughing as much. Uh, it did play through a kind of satisfying conclusion to the Amy hmm. and Jake storyline. Because I'm currently, I'm currently working my way through the middle. Yeah, which is aired its final season so I'm halfway through the final season of the middle and Brooklyn Nine-Nine is next on my list of things to yeah. binge the Look, season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine felt like last season it came to a, a natural conclusion so as much as I was sad that it went away because I liked the characters I think maybe it was the right thing and saving it wasn't the right thing but Parks and Rec did that like five times though yeah or they wrote season finales like five times as you said earlier so did the Fresh Prince shows that are kind of 
kind of indie darlings are like it's funny like how shows are really appreciated by repassionate by a, a smaller group of people and they're f- remembered fondly but they're not popular in their times that's maybe a tv a whole podcast for itself so but even like fresh prince isn't any that's a cultural phenomenon these days everyone knows what the fresh prince of bel-air is yeah as one of those shows that probably hit everyone in syndication yeah well like I, I, I assume fresh prince was off the air by the time i ever watched the episode see that's it it finished it's run in 96 and that's around the time smith took off as a movie star and he he kind of relaunched his music career then they're like we have these six seasons of will smith cash in exactly so i think it is remembered more fondly now because of as you say syndication and people are watching it with will smith as a bigger star Mm. and a more accomplished actor so it kind of become a bit more juggernaut with the passage of time but with brooklyn 99 i do think I don't think it will be one season, but as you said, maybe two seasons on NBC, and that will be kind of yeah, nice. NBC. NBC. Yes, correct. Because the thing is, NBC actually own it. It's yeah. produced by NBC Studios. Oh, well, they produced it on the studio a lot. Yeah, yeah, so that's true. Didn't do a swap. Was it Last Man Standing? Was produced by Fox but aired on NBC, and Brooklyn Nine Nine was produced by NBC and aired on Fox, and both cancelled one, and then the other picked the other back up. Yeah, I think so. Actually, Last Man Standing kind of cancelled. That was all gone for a whole year or two, wasn't it? I think so. So, like, it's only coming back now, and basically it's, like, that's the a Republican show comedy. Yeah, it's just, it just exists. <laughs> it continues to exist. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Tim Allen is all yeah, likable. He's affable. It's like, oh, I'm racist. That's basically <laughs> it. That's the show. So that's it, Karen. That's, that's all we've got for this week. That is the end of our episode, all two hours of it. All two hours, our bumper episode. We're giving you a bang for your buck because we were off for two weeks. You're welcome. All right, Teletubbies, that's it, as we said. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can find a new episode every weekend at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. And that's also where you'll find our other show, Podcast A Week. Which, there will be an episode today. Today as I record this, tomorrow as you listen to this. Or yesterday as you listen to this. Or should I call it Podcast A Week-ish? Podcast an indeterminate (laughs) period of time. Podcast sometimes. That's what you should rename it. Podcast occasionally. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud so you never miss any of the podcasts on the TWS network. Speaking of which, if you love the show and you need to let all your friends and family and people you haven't seen in a while go, we can actually help you reconnect with the people that you've lost in the past or you've lost touch with. The, we can be that bridge. Those people being, you know, us. <laughs> exactly. If you go a long period without listening to an episode, you reconnect with us every time you listen to an episode. Exactly. We're like long lost friends. So it's really the best way to spread the word about the show. Tell your friends, write us a review on iTunes under TWS Network. Brings new listeners to the show, or it might, but it hasn't so far. But we're really counting on you to be our champions. Yes, be the champions we can't be for ourselves by producing content consistently. (laughs) In appreciation, we will send you a TV dinner. I'll actually do that. If you send me a screenshot of a, a review, I will send you a microwavable dinner from Tesco. Yeah. You know what? It'll be a good one. It'll be like one of their turkey and ham ones. Yeah. Free dinner on us. Quite nice. If you want it, that's all you have to do. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. And where can they find us on Twitter, Gar? You know what? I'll send them the value of the TV dinner. Sending food in the mail is probably not a good idea. But they can find us at Twitter at TWSKK. Yes. Send us uh, your pictures of your reviews and get your TV, the value of a TV dinner. Yeah. Because um, we'll Venmo it to you or PayPal it to you because... If, by the time, if you live in, say, Kathmandu, mm. which we're really big in, 
if by the time your TV dinner gets there, it might be, you know, inedible, unfortunately. Feel free to reach out with any comments, queries, questions, or concerns, or even requests. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us stuff you want to hear us talk about. If you think Ken has been too racist on this episode, let him know. You've been racist too, Gar. I'm never racist. Gar, you're so casually racist. I am the wokest. Someday someone will listen to this podcast and it will derail your predicament. It probably will. (laughs) We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And I am also on Twitter at Ken Kidney. And Garrett is on Twitter at Garrett Kidney. That's my name. Exactly. We're making it easy for you. Mm. You don't have to look for stupid handles that we thought of when we were children. Next week, we will chat about the seminal pop culture events of our childhoods. We don't have a sponsor this week. Netflix took them all. Oh. Have you seen that? They're testing ads. Oh, yeah. That's like, They're going to be YouTube. I don't know. And then, uh, This is the scam. That they'll introduce ads and then introduce a higher tier to avoid the ads. I don't pay for it. Actually, I won't pay for it. Dad'll pay for it. Because <laughs> he may have been paying for Netflix for the last five years. Okay. And the WWE Network. And he doesn't use either of them. <laughs> oh no. I, I pay for my own damn Netflix. Our theme music is by Blue Wild Productions. And until next week, say goodbye, girl. Bye bye. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.